welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. We're back, episode 128. <clears throat> Dang, lost my voice. Uh, let's get right into it, man. Um, as of the last couple of days, we've seen the passing of Chadwick Bozeman. Um, and a lot of people were shocked that it happened. Um, but prior to his death, you seen people like having not memes, but like, dang, like he looked, he looked like what, what role is he going for? Like he looked like he's sick or whatever the case. So you didn't see a lot of empathy there because people didn't know a situation. Yeah. Um, but he was fighting cancer. He's fighting, um, colon cancer. What do they call that when it's in a certain stage? Um, stage four. He was he got diagnosed with stage three and then it moved to stage four yeah. by the time he passed away. But what yeah. is the what do they call the cancer though? Not just the stages uh, when it's bad. I forgot what they call it. I don't know. Not sure. severe cancer, something cancer. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, he ended up passing away, and a lot of people didn't know he had cancer. Yeah, I, I think that speaks volumes of the man Chadwick Boseman was because we live in a world where everyone wants attention for every fucking thing, even when things aren't going right. They, uh-huh. they got to let the world know the shit's fucked up. When things are going great, they got to tell everybody every fucking moment. But this is the man that was dying from cancer and did not want empathy from anyone. He just literally just he passed on and everybody was shocked. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was crazy because when it first uh, started, started seeing those pictures floating around, I think it was I probably seen two or three of them. Um, one, he did a, a video, I think it was on Jackie Robinson's, like Jackie Robinson's birthday or something like that. Right. And he was looking a little dried up. Um, there was a, a couple other pictures where TMZ or photographers would catch him outside. He was walking to Starbucks or something. And, um, you could just, just tell he's noticeably skinnier. And, um, there was, uh, there was, I did see those people, they were, basically saying like oh he's skinny he's uh, he need to eat some food or something like that but also I had seen a lot of people that were just almost because people had so much love for him as far as like what he did for us as a, as, a, as a culture and you know what the the movies that he presented to us that there were people that were almost going at those people that were saying those those foul things about him so that was that was uh pretty cool to see but it was it was weird because we all at least people that had seen those pictures, they speculated what was going on. But also when I had seen them, I was looking for any information on it. And there was nothing. There wasn't nothing on TMZ. There was no news. There was, there was literally no information about what he was going through. There was also, you know, speak people. So people on the thing were speculating. There were some people like, nah, he good. You know, he's just yeah. a, he's just a slender man. So sometimes in between roles, he, he gets, and I was like, that's kind of the hope that I was holding on right. to. I was like, Oh, he's, he's kind of, <clears throat> you know, skinnier and he bulks up for the role. So that's what I was holding on to. And, but you know, the, the sad part is, um, and I found out cause my sister had called me when I was, I was driving and she was, she was just like, um, she wasn't crying hysterically, but she could, she was just emotional in her tone. And I was just like, man, it, it's, it sucked because it, it wasn't surprising for me because I had connected yeah. his dying to those pictures. And I was just like, man, like I knew all along that there was something wrong with him. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a very emotional night for me. Like I had planned, I had a, my whole night planned out. I was going to eat some food and watch a movie and stuff. And then I was just like, let, let, it was done. let me explain something to you. Feeble minded people that don't really understand what's going on. Some people will say, well, he's an actor. I mean, you're going to cry over an actor. Really? Let me be very clear. He 
I'm not saying he spearheaded, but he was a part of a movement with the Black Panther film that meant a lot to people of color. So as a black man, you don't grow up watching superheroes that look like you. Yeah. Most of them are white. OK, this is non-disputable. Yeah. Most movies you watch, most shows you watch, whether it's Friends or whatever shows, we're so used to seeing white people on screen. That is just the way we've grown up. I, when when Barack Obama first came, became president, I was like, there's no way this fucking guy is a president. And I woke up, I went to sleep and woke up and I was like, yo, this guy is really the fucking president. He's black. I can't fucking believe it. Black people was crying. Yeah, it was older. It was really old black people crying. They couldn't believe it. But this is our reality. And the reality of it, reality of it is, is that he helped spearhead a movement of almost all black cast that we have never seen. Uh, Black people went to the droves. Went, went to the movies in the droves and had on like African clothes and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I was one of the people like, I don't know about wearing all that, you know, but I thought about it like, yeah, I think that was a great thing now because when motherfuckers go watch Star Wars and dress up as a goddamn Chewbacca, nobody make, nobody uh, uh, says anything. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I think even mm-hmm. outside of just Black Panther, though, like mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson, yeah, Jackie Robinson James, Brown, James Brown, all these other biopics. And he had he had uh, so much integrity. <clears throat> Um, as an actor, there was that video that we watched and it was showing him basically, uh, that was, a like a little soap opera he had, he had yeah. got casted on and right. he, he thought the role was just a, so negative and it portrayed black people in a negative light. And he went up and he told the, I don't know if it was the producers or the writers, but he told them how he felt about the role and he ended up getting fired, um, from that job. Right. But um that's just the integrity he had and he was right. in, in um what you call it unapolog- unapologetically black right. and he uh, he always um you know stood on his own two feet there was another story that i had seen to couple with that story that was a um he he looked like a middle middle eastern guy and he was a, an, an aspiring director and he talked about the time when um, I don't know if he was a PA on a set or what he what he actually did. I don't know if he what his role was on the set. But Chadwick Boseman was an actor in the thing. And somebody had come up to him with like a sponge, you know, the sponge to, yeah. to black people get their hair curly or whatever. Right, right, right. They came up to him with a sponge and like maybe some like freaking uh, coconut oil or something. But it was um, he came up. It, to Chadwick Boseman um, to put that on his head, uh, to put that on his face and his hair and stuff like that. And then I, I don't know exactly what the quote was, but basically he said in a in a very calm but also stern way, it was like, yo, get the hell away from me with all that. Like, yeah. yo, you're not touching my hair. And that's just the kind of uh, you know, person he was. And it wasn't disrespectful yeah. or anything, but it's just like, I felt like he had been through so much as an actor and especially because right. he was, you know, he was 43 and not, he been acting the first role I had seen him in was on this show called Lincoln Heights and that came out when I was in like junior high or something like that so he had been acting for a while so just you know being on sets and you know sometimes when it comes to those certain spaces some people would just kind of uh you know close their mouth and just you know just deal with it and we've I, we, I don't want to say any names but we spoke about a person from Bakersfield that had been through a similar situation as far as like acting and there was a uh, a uh, a stunt double um, involved in a situation, and the, and they treated it totally different. So I can see how you could just go through a situation and just keep your mouth closed and just do your job. But um, Chadwick Boseman was a person that you know, like I said, just had a lot of integrity when it come to 
you know, stuff like but that. But I think I don't think it has to do with being unapologetically black. I think it has to do more with being a man of integrity yeah. and, and happening, happening to be black. Now, if let's say you're white and they want you to be a fucking skinhead in every movie, you're going to be like, hold on, man. Yeah. Don't typecast me as a fucking white supremacist. Yeah. Right. So as a black man, you don't want to be in a movie and somebody's telling you, yeah, you should be a deadbeat dad. You'd be a gangbanger. You should be this. You should be that. He didn't play. He just said, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And um, I respect that because you never want to compromise in, in your integrity, mm-hmm. because if you do, you can't come back from that. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I will say about just not just Chadwick Boseman, but all the people we've lost recently, such as Chadwick Boseman, Kobe Bryant, you know, Nipsey Hussle, all these people that we look at and respect, right? This is not a moment to be sad for them. It's really not because at the end of the day, Chadwick Boseman reached heights and he reached the apex of success in his field. He did what he wanted to do every day and he loved what he wanted, what he did. Same thing with Nipsey Hussle and Kobe Bryant. I think it's time for you the same person who loved and revered these people to use them as a beacon of, of, of hope and, and a motivation for yourself, because mm-hmm. you shouldn't just only have faith in people like them. You need to look at yourself, period. Mm-hmm. Like we need to look at ourselves and are we living our best life as people say a lot now these days? Yeah. We're all going to die, man. We're all going to die. This is how death works. I said this on uh, Instagram, on the story. Um, I could be talking to you right now on a podcast. You're listening. Everything's great. And then I die four fucking hours later. That's death. You don't know when it's going to happen. Okay. And a lot of people say things like gone too soon. Hashtag gone too soon. That's not real because our time on this earth has been predetermined. But the secret is kept from us. We don't know when that's going to happen. So stop putting shit off. Stop, you know, creating these bullshit um, New Year's resolutions and stop acting like you have time. We are on borrowed time, folks. Don't only question your mortality when you see a celebrity die. Understand that your ass is going to be next eventually. And before you die, live your life, live your life, your life. Not trying to be cool or you're too afraid. To, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want them to think this or oh, I don't want to do this. Cause. Fuck that. You're going to die and so will they. And when you're both gone, you're going to regret. If you have any form of consciousness, you're going to regret the fact that you did not be the person that you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That's what I take from this. When I see somebody I respect that passes away, I think more and more, Eddie, you got to get your shit moving. Yeah. You got to get your shit moving. That's what I think. Yeah, I think um, for me, I I obviously I'm a I was a fan of Nipsey Hussle. I was a you know the biggest Laker fan, the biggest Kobe fan. Right. You know Chadwick Boseman. I watched I wouldn't say all of his movies, but I watched a lot of his movies. And like I said, the first time I seen him was on that show Lincoln Heights back in the day. So what I always look to is I just don't want these people to die in vain. Right. Um, just based on, you know, the way they live their lives. If you look, if you look at a lot of the uh, videos circulating around, it was videos of him doing, doing commencement speeches, um, you know, just different stories coming out about him. And it's like, that's the type of person that we should all aspire to be. So because, you know, he did what he was supposed to do in his, you know, in his 43 years of life, um, I'm just using that as uh motivation but also education as to right. you know what we can and what we should be able to do if you look at his career he 
as as far as an actor, he probably had one of the best careers, you know, oh, yeah. just project to project, you know, oh, all yeah. those biopics. He had, what, two, three biopics in a row where he was playing, you know, iconic people. Um, and then to cap his career off playing Black Panther. That's, like, that's unreal. Yeah. It's like, no, not not too many. No one can say they did that. Honestly, I don't know why I feel like this, but I feel like he's not over in the Marvel series. I feel like he's going to make a cameo somehow in a movie and people are going to lose their fucking minds. Yeah. I guess, I mean, there's, you know, CGI and stuff you could use. No, not even CGI. I think there's some type of prequel or some type of scene he may have shot. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know personally, but I feel like there might be something there. And it, it and it might be genuinely him on screen, folks. What you need to realize is that when you die, you leave a legacy behind. Some of you guys are pieces of shit, and that's the level. That's what you're going to leave behind. Unfortunately, yeah. some of you guys want to be petty. All you want to do is be in people's business. All you want to do is gossip. All you want to do is nothing, and that's the legacy you're going to leave behind. You got to get your shit together, man. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. I'm speaking from experience as a man that's still trying to fully become the man that he wants to be. Right, and. The legacy you leave behind will tell a story about you. When my grandfather died, it was like the last page of his book. Like I knew exactly what this man meant to me when he died. Of course, I knew he was important while he was alive. But when he died, it meant something else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I fully understood what this man meant to me and what he what he meant in this world when he died. It's the same thing as like a Nipsey Hussle. You got to understand when Kobe died at the uh, when he had his uh, um, the was the, the the life ceremony or whatnot, and Michael Jordan spoke at his uh, ceremony. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan doesn't really speak on behalf of anyone. Yeah, ever. When Nipsey Hussle died and Barack Obama wrote that letter, Barack Obama don't just write letters for people. This is the type of legacy these men left behind is the point I'm trying to make. Is that anyone that really probably brushed shoulders with them understood what they were about? That's what I'm working for. So if I don't reach where I want to get in my life, I'm going to fucking die trying. And when I die, they'll say, well, Eddie was going for it. Yeah. Eddie was trying. Eddie was Eddie could have been so great. Like I seen what he could have done. That's that's what I want people to remember. And hopefully I can leave some type of uh, consciousness behind. Yeah. You know, basically like, look, Eddie's gone. Eddie was trying his hardest. I'm not doing shit for myself. I need to get my shit together. If that's all you can think about when I'm gone, that's the goal for me. Yeah. That's real. I think um, it's in almost like a a selfish or egotistical way. I sometimes think about what that would be like for me. Like, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how many people would show up to to my funeral or what people right. would say. Um, and it's kind of weird to think about, but do you, you but uh, I guess the, the root of it is coming from a good spot. You know, yeah. you, talk, you think about like the, you know, the certain kids where you affected their lives. I was going to say the certain kids you touched. And then I realized that that, was, rephrase that. that sound crazy. You better rephrase that. <laughs> but Man. the certain kids where you, R. Kelly is into yeah. the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, the, the the impacts you had on certain kids' life and you know, my former job or you know, just the certain advice or the the, the listening ear you gave to someone or right. you know, the time where you, you, you might have gave somebody spare change or anything like that. Um so that's that's uh 
the type of stuff that you want to you you want to leave behind as far as a leg- legacy. Uh, one thing that I will say though is that it the the crazy part about this whole situation, and you you spoke about it before, as far as nobody knowing, is that um, he I don't know exactly how many movies he filmed while he uh, while he was sick. He got diagnosed in 2016. Yeah, and from 2016 to 2020. I believe uh, 10 movies had came out. Oh, wow. So he could have potentially filmed 10 movies right. um, while battling cancer. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is uh, Ryan Coogler had released a statement and it was, it was a very profound statement. Um, and he, you know, he just kind of poured his heart out in a, in a few paragraphs, but even Ryan Coogler, the director of black Panther had no idea that he was dealing with that, level of sickness so it was just crazy um and who knows who who knew i think you know like you said he he probably intentionally uh kept that to himself i'm sure his his wife knew and and his his family knew but just the the crazy part is is that you know we live in this society where everyone is looking for some attention for anything exactly like you know we we won't get to it on this podcast but there was um a girl that had posted a video on her story um, and basically acted like she was getting kidnapped and oh, she was God. about to get raped or whatever. And she just used that as a, <clears throat> as a way to get people to donate to her OnlyFans. Like that's the type of society we live it's in. It's ridiculous. Contrary or juxtaposed to, you know, this guy who was dying yeah. and he didn't mention it to anybody. The only reason we knew about it is because his family released a, yeah. A message via Twitter and Instagram. So it's it's just crazy, man. Yeah, folks. I just think what what's crazy too is 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 you always think that you got it worse than everyone. Oh my God, I can't believe what's going on. And it's some people that just really need to shut the fuck up. Every time you you scroll down social media, you see somebody like, yeah, you know, my baby's daddy is a loser, or so and so is cheating on me, or I lost my job because they was hating. Whatever, whatever little despair that's going on in your life. Let me tell you something. It's not important, and you should really shut the fuck up. It's really not. There's somebody right now that's going through chemotherapy. There's somebody right now that hasn't eaten food in fucking two days. There's somebody right now that has an eviction notice on their door. Okay. There are people going through real shit right now. Yeah. And and there are some people that that will literally want to post every little trivial situation that's going on in their life. So if you I don't care how you misinterpret what I'm saying. Please shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. Okay. Um, There's just on. so much bigger things yeah. going on in the world. It's so many. It's so much bigger things. Like when I'll be talking to Keith and and uh, I'll be at work or whatever, and I might have my little grievance of something going on. I'm like, you know what? I just need to shut the fuck up. Don't yeah. I say that, Keith? Yeah. I'm like, I just need to knock it off. It's people going through real shit. Like I'm not even going to continue on. I was a little frustrated about something, but it's a first world problem, and I'll fucking get over it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Right. Sometimes I'd be like, man, this dude is doing this or this person is doing this, you know, t- talking about like the people that I work with on a regular basis. And yeah. I'm just like, somebody would be fortunate to be in my position. So I need to just shut up. Like, right. There's, and complaining is not going to get you anywhere. No. And especially the person you're talking to, like, they don't want to hear that. They got their own problems going on. Exactly. That is the best, that is the best point. People are going through their own shit. Can you imagine when you imagine this, imagine complaining to Chadwick Boseman 
And I'm yeah. positive that he's had motherfuckers like, this is, I'm not getting this role, and they doing this, and this ain't right, this and that. And I'm sure Tyler Bozeman's thinking like, nigga, if you don't shut up, nigga, I'm dying. I'm, I'm dying, nigga. Yeah. I'm dying over here. Or somebody that was tired. Could you imagine that? Like, man, another day at work. Or like, a, imagine right. a PA on, you yeah. know, the set of Endgame or something like that. Just like, man, I'm getting tired of holding this boom pole, or I'm getting tired of moving these lights around. And this thing is like, I got... Yeah, my time is limited yeah. i'm doing this you know i'm trying to get all i can out into the yeah. world before i go right you may see me being black panther and i'm doing these like african karate moves and shit african you, you think it's the shit right but i'm fucking dying yeah i'm dying physically i think that what he did is i think that he knew he was dying physically but he did not want to die mentally yeah that's what i think that's what i think it was he probably figured look i'm going through this already i don't want people saying oh my god my prayers are with you and your family oh people the same people that don't even really give a fuck about you oh my prayers and have my hopes for your family you don't give a fuck about me this is just politically correct for you to say this so he avoided i think he avoided a lot of the fake shit i think um also to that point i think that that happens with a Especially, I don't know how the quarantine impacted his life, right? But probably the what was partially keeping him alive was the work. You know, you, your mind is not on the chemotherapy and yeah. the, you know the surgeries and stuff like that. So, um, who knows how you know the fact that Hollywood and all these music, um, I mean, the movie industry was just shut down impacted how fast his uh, cancer progressed. Yeah, man, this cancer is no joke, dude. Yeah, um, man. All I can say is this, right, is that when I see people pass away, just anyone, I, people that I respect, uh, I went to two funerals where the person was exactly my age. Rest in peace, Randy Turner. Rest in peace, Stanley Stansel. I went to both of these funerals. And what fucked me up is when I looked at the casket, I was looking at myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at death now. I look at death as like we don't know when our turn is. My biggest fear is not death itself, but life, living a full life. Yeah. Like my fear is not living to my highest potential before I die. Jay-Z has a line where he says, uh, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not trying. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. A lot of people don't realize how really they're, they might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. They might as well be dead. A lot of people, because you, all you do is just drink and uh, be a fucking alcoholic and sit on your ass and not give your, not give any effort in life. Look, life is a privilege. When you watch all these people die and you're like, dang, that's messed up. They died at early. They died so young. Oh, and then you go right back to not being shit. Yeah. Don't look at these people and, and look at them as motivational uh, figures and then go right back to doing nothing with your life. Yeah. Like if, if, if what I'm saying bothers you, it's probably because you ain't doing shit. Do something. I don't know what it is. You'll figure it out. Apply yourself. And even if that doesn't work out, you can die knowing you did something. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. Um, oh, okay. I have one thing that I, um, I looked up. I was looking at the, um, there was an article that I had read on CNN, I think, and it was just about cancer. And it was, they didn't have, obviously when it comes to uh, these type of cancers and stuff like that, they have to speak in ways in which they're not like uh, set in stone. Like they can't say facts because right. you know a lot of these are just theories or just like mm-hmm. research or percentages or whatever. And yeah. one thing that it said, it was like they found out that a lot of um, 
I think the average age of colon cancer was like 70 something. Wow. But they, they realized that, um, um, only recently that the age, the average age is starting to drop Wow! and they didn't have, and they didn't have a real, um, what you call it? Real reasons. There's, there's no way of really knowing what the root of, uh, you know, the reason anybody gets cancer, but I, I obviously some people point to food and, you know, other things like that, just the, the type of foods that we eat, but it's just weird, you know, 43 years old with colon cancer, it doesn't sound right. That's something that you normally see in the, in the elder, in the yeah. older person. So it was just, uh, that's just something that I had seen. Yeah. Uh, one more thing too. Also, um, Denzel Washington paid his tuition. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize how important that is. Um, Denzel paid and he ended up, you know, going through his stint in college and uh, working hard and became a well-known actor. And he mentioned, uh, he said, it wouldn't be no Black Panther if it wasn't for Denzel Washington. Yeah. And then Denzel was just moved to tears and just was crying. Literally, yeah. Literally was moved to tears. And well, I, I think that's powerful, man. One thing uh, Denzel also said is that he he had, um, he said he rarely cries in movies. Yeah. But he said when he watched Black Panther, he cried. Yeah. And that, you know, it's just, it's, it's just interesting. We all, me and Eddie are talking about just paying it forward and right. people have helped us along the way, right. you know, given a certain, um, you know, spaces or given a certain equipment to kind of progress, um, our, our podcast just because they believe in us. And that's like the most powerful thing you can do because, right. you know, the, according to like the, the video we watched, Chadwick was is, he was struggling through college, and he he wouldn't have been able to afford to pay it, and then right. he just received a uh, basically a check from yeah. Denzel Washington, and they and they weren't in Denzel Washington. They had a he, relationship. Yeah, he just sent it, and he probably didn't even know it, and it wasn't until Chadwick Boseman seen him in person that he let him know yeah, that yo yeah. he, he was you know and, he, and when he let him know he said oh so you saying you owe me money yeah yeah which was hilarious yeah yeah so. it's a beautiful story man you have no idea what kind of impact you can leave on people mm-hmm. so I'll say this if if me and Keith have any form of positive like you know we talk about crazy shit on here um um vaginas and and pussy juice and shit but if we if we have we any, talk about pussy juice in a minute yeah I know that's a very important topic in America <laughs> in America right now. <laughs> but if we have any type of positive um, uh, impact on anyone, then that's also another objective of this podcast platform. So yeah, 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 because we're we're going through it simultaneous. You know exactly. So, so we don't got it all figured out, but no. we just we may be a step or two ahead of where you are, and we just want to bring you along. So exactly. Yeah. This is we're we're still in it, man. We're just yeah. like you. I'm um, just uh, uh, just better than you. Um, <laughs> All right, switching gears. Uh, recently, um, ESPN, uh, uh, I want to call him a personality, but Stephen A. Smith. Um, Stephen A. Smith um, recently, uh, he was watching a highlights from a game and commenting on it, and he mentioned that Duka, Luka Doncic was the best white boy since Larry Bird, right? Yeah. Okay, let me be very clear when I say this. Um, me personally... I think that that was very tone deaf because like within a week of that same week, um, Montrez Harrell called Luka Doncic a bitch ass white boy in the same game. And Luke and Luka Doncic probably was the best player on that court. And obviously one of the best players in the whole NBA. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I think this is tone deaf is, is the historical context of it. There was a time when black men in the NBA or NFL, or whatever were the minority and they were getting called niggers and shit and they couldn't go to the same, um, uh, you know, hotels and all kinds of shit was going on. You had a, you had an Olympic 
athletes that couldn't even eat in certain restaurants mm-hmm. that ran for the United States. But to make a long story, to make a story short, black people are now the majority in the NBA and the NFL. So if we've been subjected historically to being called niggers, why do you think it's okay to call Luka Doncic a bitch ass white boy? It's, I feel it's not only that is problematic, but I think it's also problematic that at uh, Stephen A. Smith kind of doubled down as like he the baddest white boy since Larry Bird. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine if you're watching uh, golf, right? And there's some black dude that's really good athlete. He's really killing shit. And then the announcer, a white guy, is like, "Ha, huh, he's the best black since Tiger Woods." <laughs> imagine how out of place that would sound. I think that yeah. we've reached a place now. We're, we're, of course, we're not perfect. We're going through uh, civil unrest all over the world, all over the country and the world. Yeah. But we, I think, we've reached a point where we have to stop identifying a player even a highly skilled player as a white boy or yeah he's the greatest indian or he's the great it's like that shit to me is kind of corny if it if it doesn't fit don't say it yeah i as much as like um i like i i definitely agree with you emotionally i just don't have as much uh, like an emotional connection to to what you're saying if that makes sense no i like get it. If like so, I I know on the surface that we shouldn't be calling you know the best one. We shouldn't say that phrase just because of the historical context and mostly because we're trying to battle for equality, right? So right. we want to be treated um, just like everyone else. So if we don't want people saying um, you know the best black since whatever, we're the best black um, radio personalities or microphone personalities since Howard Stern. Like we we wouldn't want to hear that, right? Um, so, um, you know, we shouldn't say that to other people, but just on an emotional level, I just don't feel that connection to it. Like to what, to what Stephen A. Smith said. Um, and I guess that's, you know, that's just how I feel about it. But of course he shouldn't, he shouldn't say that. Nah, that yeah. shit, to me, it's just tone deaf and it's out of place yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. And people are going to say, well, you know, I, first, this, this is another thing too. I, I believe, you know, um, you know, the conditions in the historical context in regards to, you know, slavery and things of that that matter and being called niggers and th- and all of that is a lot of black people will believe they got a license to just be like, oh, sorry, ass white boy, this and that. And it's like at the end of the day, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. What I feel like is this. I feel like the that if some if, in some in the history, if you were subjected to that. Don't do it to other people. That's just my opinion. Now yeah. it, it's now you say you're not making the connection. I get it. It ain't the same thing. But no, I, no, I didn't say that. I'm right. saying I don't have an emotional like when I heard Stephen A. Smith say it. Yeah, it wasn't something where I was like, like I didn't feel anger or anything towards Stephen A. Smith. I really yeah. didn't have like an emotional connection to the actual yeah. uh, thing that he said. Neither did I. But I felt it's, it's hypocritical. Yeah, I see the hypocrisy in it, so I got to call it out, and I got to keep the same energy. Yeah, not just as a podcast personality, but as a, a man and a black man. I think that I don't walk around. Um, like, first of all, I've seen like let's say for example, be the uh, white guy that's a wide receiver, and he put a juke moves on on somebody and catch a touchdown. They could be like, "Man, you let that white boy do you like that?" Yeah. Uh, let me be very clear. You didn't let that white boy do you like that. You let that wide receiver that was better than your ass do you like that. Yeah. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, Luka Doncic is, is busting everybody's ass. Mm-hmm. At the, I just don't make the connection to that. Like, I don't, I don't make the connection to like, yeah, that's a badass white boy. I think, I think on a, I don't think we verbalize it, but Luka Doncic is, he got like moves. 
Like he's yeah. a he's a he doesn't play like um, I guess the 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 typical. If you if once you think about you know most um, white players, you think about spot up shooters. You think about big man guys like Dirk um, centers maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Larry Bird was obviously like a good a good basketball player, but he just got like a smoothness to his game, and it's not really a color thing, but it is kind of a color thing because he doesn't play like a European. Yeah, but this is the problem that I have with it. I compare this shit to the 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 shit we see on uh, like it'd be like a random white girl on TikTok doing black dances, and people are like, oh, she could dance. Oh my god, why the fuck are you shocked that some white person could do these dances? This to me is I'm not shocked by any of it. Cause they just usually can't dance. Yeah, but I, I just, I just don't. I'm not. I don't think we. I. What I'm saying is, we we shouldn't verbalize it. But I'm saying on an emotional level. Yeah. Um. When we really think about it, a guy like Justin Timberlake being able to dance, or yeah. whoever you know, whoever is the the white boy that could dance, or the white girl that can dance, it's just not the norm. It may not be the norm, but I'm not shocked by it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So my my thing is, is you know. When I look at the comments, it'll be like some white girl doing some like hip hop dances. And then in the comments, it'd be like, oh, she definitely she invited to the cookout and all this. I'm like, why the fuck are black people saying you invited to the cookout? Because they just see there's a million videos of black girls dancing or whoever else dancing. But it's not going to move me to say like, oh, they invited to the cookout or this and that. It's just like, yo, it's a person that could dance to me. That's just the way I interpret it. But is it the norm? Maybe not from a cultural standpoint. Like from a cultural standpoint, a lot of black men have influenced the game where there's a lot of trickery, a lot of certain dribbling moves that are not standard moves you see in in a game. Like, yeah. you know, these step back jumpers. That shit wasn't in the league 20, 30, like 30 years ago. That wasn't in the NBA. Yeah. All these different. Uh, like Euro- step doing step backs. And- yeah, these step backs. But the Euro step, that's not black people didn't do that. We stole yeah. that. That's from Europeans that, did, that had that Euro step. It wasn't yeah. us. Yeah. So there, it's just the influences in the game, and I feel like Luca has been influenced by the game, not from only from you know him being uh, I don't know where the fuck he's from by the way, Slovenia, Slovenia. So it's like Europe or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's just a great player. I, I honestly just feel like, and like you said, what Stephen A. Smith said was tone deaf. Yeah. But I just feel like we are um, any minority is eye opening. The reason Tiger Woods was such a big deal because he was the only black yeah. play, uh, person in golf that was just dominating. Right. Serena Williams, two uh, Serena Williams and Venus, just two black sisters that was dominating. If they were any other player, obviously they were. They, uh, both of them were uh, elite right. tennis players, so you know their color technically didn't matter. Right. But if Serena Williams was white, she would just be another player. True. So I just feel like as much know, as I don't know, but what if she was white and thick like Serena Williams? That's elite, right? There. <laughs> that's elite. <laughs> Even white girls that's thick. Like, uh, you know, that's it's, conversation. A, it's a it's a thing because niggas like you know all the thickest white girls probably got one nigga that dicked them down in their lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, no, but I get your point. That's also yeah. true. There's so many things that are true. Yeah. Um. You know, you see the Tiger Woods of the world playing golf, and then not to mention, uh, you know, BMX. You might see a black guy in there. Like the, yeah. this one dude was named Bubba. Something I forgot his name, mm-hmm. uh, but he's really good at, at that. And what was it? It was a black skater. It was like Kareem something that was on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Was he the dreads? The fir- 
No, that's Nigel Houston, but he's oh. he's uh he's he's definitely um good too. But he's yeah. he's biracial, so it, he kind he kind of is racially ambiguous at times. Oh, but, so um, he, he went to Liberty. <laughs> 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 that's funny. But yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, I, you're right, man. Like obviously, we can't say those things. But I, I'm just being honest when it when it comes to like how I feel about it, just so it's not and I don't sound like politically correct or anything. Right. Yeah. Like I, it was this dude. Right. This was funny, but it also was problematic. It was this dude. He was at a restaurant and he put on his Instagram story. It was he was sitting at a table and this is before COVID popped off and it was white people walking out the door. And he was like, colonizer, hey, colonizer, <laughs> hey, colonizer. And he was doing that. I was like, hey, man, you can't do that shit, man. Yeah. You can't be calling random people colonizers, man. That shit ain't cool. Yeah. And he was like, man, he's like, that shit ain't no big deal, man. Like, look what they did to us. And I'm thinking like, yo, at the end of the day, um, I think from a certain sense, just random Joe Blow white people walking around shouldn't have to pay for that for the rest of eternity. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Now, I will say it's some shit that's. That's on a deeper level that's super fucked up that that should never be forgotten about. I just don't move like that personally. Yeah. I don't move in a world where um, I'm just insulting random white people walking down the street. That's just not how I move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah. But Keith is also correct. This is, we, we have to live in a world where multiple things are true. I personally feel it's true. That is tone deaf to say he the baddest white boy since Larry Bird in the same week that he got called a bitch ass white boy by Montrez Harrell. I felt that was fucking tone deaf by him. And he should be smarter than that. Yeah. You know, you've been doing this shit at ESPN for how long, dude? Come on, man. They do they do that though frequently. I remember uh when Christian McCaffrey had ran his four three or whatever and yeah. and uh Deion, Deion Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, Deion Sanders. Yeah, he's like, man, what's going on, man? And, and I thought that was corny. Like, you, you're you shocked that it's a fast white boy? Like, why? You don't remember Tim Dwight? You don't remember all these other fast white dudes in the NFL? Travis Jervey and all these other guys that were fast? Like, Yeah. It's not a lot, though. It's not a lot, no. It's not a lot. But I'm just still not shocked by it. Yeah. It's not something that's like, I'm not going to, you know, throw my soda on the ground because a white boy was running super fast. Down the football field, <laughs> not shocked by it. But seeing a white running back, not very common. Yeah, it's not honestly seeing a white cornerback, not very common. Yeah, I don't know when the last time I seen. Now a notable one was Jason Seahorn. He was a corner Seahorn, for the, yeah. for the for the New York Jets, and he was really good. By the way, yeah. really good. And uh, people would be like, I ain't letting this white boy lock me up. And then he, uh, he'd be putting, the clamps, he'd be putting the clamps on him. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I think ba- I think I will say, though, that basketball is um, it's a a sport. Obviously, there's athleticism involved, but it's a very skill oriented sport. So it's more likely to you could get you can get, you know, cooked by a white boy pretty easy. Oh, in, yeah. In basketball. Um that's I think that's why it's probably more I don't know about a percentage, but it's probably more as far as skill position like as far as football, the majority of white players play offensive line, maybe D D line at some at linebacker, um, and quarterback for sure. And then kind of the rest of it is primarily black athletes. Yeah. Um, but basketball, you get Luka Doncic's and all these these other players, Jason Williams, all these guys. Yeah, I don't know about that too, because the big the biggest best tight ends in the NFL is tight end. I forgot about the tight white ends. boys is tight the, ends for sure. They they run in that position. Yeah, the tight end is, tight is if you're a big white dude, then chances are you a tight end. Yeah, there's yeah. some safeties too. White boys, white white I, players that play safety. I don't know who. 
Uh, Weddle. Weddle's one, Eric but he, Weddle. Weddle's on the back end of his career, though. Yeah, he's he's good. He's been all pro many yeah. years, all, 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 uh, pro bowl player, too. So Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not too many. But I said the tight end, though, that one gets sold up because you got uh, Kittle. Shout out to the all the Niner fans out there. Yeah. George, you got George Kittle. You got uh, Travis Kelsey. You got mm. uh, 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 Zach Ertz from the Eagles. You got mm. – yeah, that that position. I never thought about that. The tight end position is dominated, dominated by, by big white dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so real. Yeah. even uh, who was that that caught the the touchdown in NFC Championship on the Niners? Uh, yeah. what the J- Joe Montana throwing? It's like that famous. Oh no, that was a wide. It was Dwight Clark. Dwight Clark. Yeah, yeah. It's another you know another white boy. But he was a wide out though. He was a wide receiver. Yeah. Oh, okay. My bad. Probably yeah. Tight end. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, man. But I get. I think you guys see what we're getting at. You yeah, know? it's kind of all over the place. But we just <laughs> made, made so many points about this. <laughs> all right, uh, switching gears. Um, recently, Joe Budden spoke uh, about his uh, his potential ending with Spotify after their two year deal. And what I listened to, and what me and Keith listened to, was I think this is the biggest. Um, this is the biggest thing for podcasts probably ever, because Joe Budden. Um, went to Spotify when they were still trying to figure out how um, podcasts can affect the streaming platform. Yeah. And he was number one for a very long time. And basically through a story, he talked about not getting bonuses and um, not basically getting what they said they would do for him. Um, And during that time, they were really moving the needle big time. And He's and uh, I think Rory asked him. So how long did they realize that podcast was a profitable business? And he said, "Shit, the first episode because they brought all those people. There was promo codes attached to it. You know, said Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I might have signed up for like a free month, and I don't even got Spotify. I have Title, but mm -hmm. I might have signed up for a free month whenever they. And they seen it was profitable based Mm -hmm. on that. So yeah, um, it was a big deal. It was a big deal when that happened. Yeah. And, and the sad thing about it is we live in a world where there's the gatekeeper or the people that create the platform or whatever, and they try to keep the people that keep the platform moving down, down below when in actuality, you don't want this moving. Yeah. You want this moving it. Yeah. Like um, what I respect about Joe Budden too, he said a lot of podcasters don't uh, take pride in being, um, you know, uh, uh, running their own shit. And yeah. I thought about that. I'm like, no, me and Keith run all of our own shit. Mm-hmm. From the laptop to the fucking to the to the the studio we do the podcast in every week to the tables. To was, yeah, he was saying that the a lot of people don't even invest in right you know, in their in their in their business. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Everything here that me and Keith talk on and use and headphones and and uh, uh, what do you call it the fucking the interfaces. The interface, and yeah, we own all of it. All yeah. of it. All the production is done by us. Mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen is they'd be like, "Yeah, we've been hearing the Truckers Mind podcast for a while. We'd love for you to be a part of the platform." And they want to give us a bullshit deal, right? Mm-hmm. Not to mention they might try to say, "Oh, well, we we got to have the intellectual property." I'd be like, "Okay, go fuck yourself." Yeah, you will not get the opportunity to own anything that me and Keith already own. We would love to be partners with you, but we are not. And I repeat, we will not allow you to take a big chunk of the pie and give us a little piece of candy for what the fuck we do here. Yeah. No, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. It, uh, uh, one of the things he also talked about was just the 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 lies that went along with um, right the 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 whole contract 
um, he was saying that he had went to. So whenever their podcast was just, I think it was two, three years where they kind of built up some steam and eventually got to a space where it was one of the more popular podcasts out. And throughout that run, they had started meeting with different entities um, in order to to bring that podcast exclusively to those spaces. So right. one of those meetings was Tidal. I don't know if they had a meeting yeah. with Apple, but it was another, a couple other other spaces where they were having meetings. And uh, he had went to, and I don't know if he spoke directly with Jay-Z, but this is how he described it. He said he just wants the analytics. Ooh, so right. he, wa- he wants to be able to um, put out his podcast and see exactly how many people are listening because that's, the most valuable thing that right. you can have when it comes to um, your your podcast, like mm-hmm. why, you know, not not why else are we doing it, but when it comes to a business, you know, business side of it, right. it's like that's the most important thing to know. Um, Jay Z told him, "No, like we're not going to give you those numbers," and I don't know why. You know, that's some higher up, you know, mm-hmm. elite executive type of conversation. So I don't know exactly why that he wouldn't do that. But he said he also went to Spotify. Spotify told him, "Like, yeah, sure, we'll give you all the." Analytics will be transparent, and then he realized that when he got over to Spotify, that they lied, yeah, yeah. and they didn't give him any of that information. I think the best thing that that people use as leverage against you when you are a creator is misdirection. Yeah, and what they do is is not so much asking for the analytics; you want the metrics. What metrics are you using to determine how much you can pay me? What's the bonus? What's this? When you give me that. Now, okay, boom. Okay, I'm hitting this mark. I hit this mark. I hit this mark. Okay, where's my money? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they and Spotify knew very well how important Joe Budden's podcast was to the Spotify platform. So within eight months of that contract, they said, "Hey, we want to extend this thing. We want to keep you here." And they offered him a deal, and uh, he said it was more money than I had ever seen at that time, but I turned it down. And uh, they were trying to bring along, they were almost like a 360 deal. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. They said, yeah, we want because they wanted uh, basically everything that Joe Budden was doing. They wanted it basically uh, to pull ups. Yeah. They wanted to Mm -hmm. recoup or or, uh, recoup on all of it. Yeah. And they wanted the pull ups. They wanted touring. They wanted uh, whatever mall, whatever Roy is doing. They uh wanted all that under one umbrella and they were going to just throw a bag at them. No, no, thank you. Because what it is, what happens is, is that's not an investment. That's. That's a that's a trick. Yeah. And you can't if somebody told me and Keith right now. All right, man, we'll pay you and Keith two hundred fifty thousand a year. But we need the intellectual property. I think me and Keith are at a space right now that we would have to turn it down. And I know that sounds stupid. Right. You'd be like, oh, why the fuck? Who does Eddie think he is? Mm -hmm. And Keith, who do they think they are Mm -hmm. to turn down that amount of money? Um, We're a person that is pretty well researched in how the business goes. We yeah. don't know all the ins and outs, but we do know that the number one thing you don't give up is your intellectual property when you own it. Why the fuck would you allow somebody to basically take over a Trucker's Mind podcast, right? And and let's say you have a grievance with them and you want to uh, uh, do work stoppage, right? Mm-hmm. You can't put out any content because they fucking own it now. Yeah. You would, but even with those ones where it's like, obviously, no one would want to. Well, there's people that do it. So I can't say no one would want to. But right. as far as like what we're doing. But there are people that screw themselves over yeah. even in those deals. Like what the benefit that Joe Budden and his 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 co-hosts had is that they signed a two year deal. That's it. Yeah. So after these, you know, they have a month, maybe a month left on their on their contract. 
And after that, they can, you know, they can do whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. But it's as much as it's a, a bad thing. And he went on a whole uh 45 50 minute spiel on you know why it was was bad they learned so much and they also were able to get out of that deal yeah and they have leverage now because you know they obviously didn't re-up their contract they're going into this you know this they're almost like you know just free agents now yeah but see the thing is is they they've the problem with it is is they got money to pay these guys and i think they need to fucking do it but the problem with that is is they've been extremely transparent with the listeners about what spotify is doing and in order for Spotify to retain them, um, they would need to they had to pay them a lot of money, dude. Like a lot of fucking money. I'm yeah. talking about sixty five thousand sixty five million. It's not money though. I don't think he's looking for money. I think and it's it's difficult because you kinda gotta read between the lines. Yeah. I think he wants that transparency. Yeah. I think he wants numbers. Exactly. Um, and I think he wants to have uh rights. Yeah, but he's not going to get that at Spotify. They've proven that they won't give it to him. He might not get that anywhere, but that's, I just think that's what he's that's what he's fighting for. Yeah, that's true. But mm-hmm. Or you could do that, or you can be the one that starts Joe Budden Studios. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what happens is if you somehow could create a streaming platform yourself and your podcast is on your own streaming platform, you may not make all that money that you would be getting from another place, but you could start to groom other podcasts. And those numbers will start to pay you. So let's say, for example, Joe Budden starts a podcast platform. He leaves Spotify and it's exclusively on the platform he creates. And he sees us and like, hey, I like these niggas, man. They cool. Yeah. And then he come gets He gets a Trucker's Mind podcast on there. And we and we can keep we could be partners with him instead of him taking all of, of the intellectual property. And we could drive those numbers up and you could create a whole new platform based on transparency and then you could trump all these other platforms. Yeah. They're working on a very old business model. It's very old. It's just yeah. trickery and misdirection. Which is sad because they're yeah. a new company. Yeah. yeah. Spotify is fairly fucking new, man. Yeah. And it's sad that they can make all that money. By the way, what what I what I found pretty um interesting is the fact that Spotify, um, when they started the whole podcast exclusively, they had Amy Schumer as the headliner, right? And Amy Schumer has wildly unperformed, at least when he performed underperformed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't say over. Did I? You said unperformed. Oh, underperformed is what I meant. Mm-hmm. And because she had this celebrity and this big name, she was supposed to be the one that headlined it and got all the numbers when in actuality it was Joe Budden. Yeah. He was number one. Number one podcast. Joe on Budden was number one for over a year. Yeah. And Amy Schumer was doing her podcast only 30 fucking minutes and I listened to him and objectively I don't want to shit on people's podcast but she's just not a podcaster it is heavily edited it is very short Joe Budden is a real podcaster his shit's three hours a piece over here at the Truckers Mind podcast we probably we average what about an hour and 45 minutes almost two hours right in there mm-hmm. so I think we do a pretty decent job of really getting off um, our ideas but yeah. in 30 minutes and you got like four fucking people that's just ridiculous <laughs> you need to get the fuck off this people oversaturating the platform basically is what joe was talking about yeah uh, i think one of one of his fights also and um this is kind of what he said this is a fight for um this is i just wish that you know that that the conversation we were having earlier when you were trying to trying to inspire or motivate people out there as far right. as like use your death as motivation right, right. um Obviously, I hear that and I understand what you're saying, but 
in reality, there's going to be one or two people that hear that and it's going to, you know, that's going to propel them to do whatever. But oh, for yeah. the most part, it's going to it's going to fall on deaf ears. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> but um, I say that to say that this fight that Joe Budden is is fighting for also is going to fall on deaf ears because everyone is not built like us. Everyone right. is not built like Joe Budden. Joe right. Budden had it was two, three years of his podcast where they weren't getting paid. They were actually paying, you right. know paying to do certain things obviously they did little tours and stuff they weren't taking they took maybe a handful of uh advertisements and that was pretty much it yeah so um one one of his battles was um he he mentioned the value of a stream and he's talking about why is like uh why is a single sale 1500 streams. 1500 streams like who made who that up who the fuck made that up they're right. devaluing right. what we're doing and then also what they're doing a podcast his podcasts are two and a half three hours they're trying to compare that to a a music like a song a you song is three that. minutes you and the so, songs are getting shorter every day um, you know, back in the day, a song used to be four minutes. It have a, it would have a solo. It would have a, you know, a bridge and everything. And right. you know, by the time the song is over, um, you don't cook a whole family meal. But now, you know, it's it's short. Like you can't even use a bathroom, and the song is already over. Yeah. So, um, but he was just saying, like, what what is the real value of the stream, and why has a, an entity, a billion dollar entity like Spotify, been able to say that? Um, a single or a sale is uh, 1500 streams. That's ridiculous. It's, it's just, and you, you think about how valuable um, music used to be when it was right. a physical, physical copy. Yeah. So. And the sad thing about it is even the biggest artists won't make any money off of that. Yeah. You gotta, you have to have so many streams. You gotta be a Drake. To, yeah. You gotta be a Drake. You gotta be somebody like that to make that type of money. Yeah, Exactly. If, yeah. you, if you're Joe Blow and you you only let's say you got thirty thousand streams, that's mm-hmm. two sales. Yeah, that's two hard sales. What what if the album's what? Nine, no, nine? not thirty thousand. Three thousand. What? It's fifteen. Oh, three thousand. I'm yeah. tripping. Fifteen hundred, not uh-huh. fifteen thousand. I'm tripping. Yeah. So you get three thousand streams. That's equivalent to selling two hard copies. Mm-hmm. So what's that? Eighteen dollars. Yeah. That is fucking pathetic. It might not even be eighteen. I would have to look at what, oh the, what the numbers are. God, but it's like a it's a, a fraction of a cent for every stream. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, that's not right. And the thing about it is, if they were trans, and the thing about it is, most people that just work jobs or they work even as creators, they undervalue themselves because they're like, oh wow, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do what I love. I'll take anything. Fuck that. Nah. You need to be trash. you need to be compensated for what you do. And if you think you can get away with paying me that, first of all, we need the real metrics that, you know, podcasts are po- they're profitable. We know that. But how exactly are they profitable? What is really fucking going on? And if somebody has to go to court to get the truth, that needs to happen. Yeah. That ain't right. Yeah, I think uh but it's it's like you said, it's this age-old thing and who yeah. I don't know who I think the a a couple executives, music executives from different labels. I think they had teamed up and kind of uh, got on the board at Spotify. Right. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the guy that did Napster. Um, I, I can't. Remember, think I can't of his remember name. his name. I yeah. Know you, I know you're yeah. About. They made a movie about him. I think. No, he was in the Social Network, but he oh. he was in the movie, but it wasn't about. 
about oh, him. But okay. ba- but I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is on the board. So that's the kind of people we're dealing with. Essentially, oh a person that you fucking know, stole, stole the music. music. Mm-hmm. So um, wow. Yeah. But I think we, you know, and I think what Joe Budden is fighting for, and I always tell Eddie, it's like, man, I want to have a conversation with him one day, just because I feel like he's been through so much as yeah. far as you know, starting out as a rapper and not owning his masters and all these kind of things. And then transforming that into a a podcast platform and even doing um, things at complex with everyday struggle um, and other things dealing with a revolt TV. I just want to know, like, I really want to sit down and under like really understand like what his plight is. Yeah. He mentioned it. He talked about being a rapper and being taken advantage of for 18 years Yeah, and about how, you know, that happened to me with, with the rap game, but the podcast, not so much. He got leverage now. He said, "I've helped you create. I've helped you create this platform." Yeah. So basically, he was calling them out, and I think that it's a beautiful thing. And and he stood up for people like me and Keith, people who literally love this shit, people who really invest themselves and come and do a podcast every single week. That's that's, and you um. You want to know like where his heart stands, right? Joe Joe Budden is a like that's that's his fight. Obviously, he's fighting for himself, but in the in the grand scheme of things, he's fighting for, like you said, guys like me and Eddie, and just podcasters out there that yeah. are trying to get their foot in the door. But he's a he's a person that literally cried on the podcast when he found out that um, I can't think of the the rap group's name. Uh, I don't know. It was some rap group back in the nineties or whatever. They um it had found out he had found out or news had broke that they were basically getting ripped off by the record label and Man. that the company wasn't willing to sell their masters back to them. And Joe Budden was literally crying on the podcast because he's yeah. so invested into the culture. Us, yeah, the culture and us getting what we are owed because we are the creators, we are the inventors of a lot of this music. A lot of these people are just rich entities that have the the means to distribute whatever we got going on. But yeah. in reality, they're not doing anything. Yeah. And you know what I learned about Joe Budden, too, is like you seen him with the interview with Lil Yachty and stuff. And you like, oh, man, he just an old nigga hating on people. But he actually loves these guys. I remember when like Juice World passed away or like Nipsey Hussle, he was crying and stuff. Uh-huh. Or, and it's just like he genuinely is invested not only in the culture, but also in the podcast world. And he's willing he's not willing to compromise his integrity for it yeah because he, he said he didn't even like the whole ads thing that's another thing i really appreciate about him is like you, most podcasts you listen to and then it'll really be getting into the thick of it and be like all right let's stop this for a moment for our sponsors and yeah. i'll be like man yeah you know i personally i honestly would want to keep the podcast ad free and what i noticed about uh joe rogan though he does all of his at the in very the br- the beginning front. yeah all of them this is what happens when you control. It'd be control. 30 minutes of straight. It'd be like, it'd, it'd be about nine minutes of ads. That's how you know Joe Rogan is fucking filthy rich. Yeah. There are people like, please, Joe Rogan, I'll do anything. Just yeah. please put my ad on there. All right, that'll yeah. cost you 10000 Yeah. With Joe, with Joe, Joe Budden. And that's kind of how I, I, I change my standpoint on just having ads. And obviously, we haven't had much opportunity to have ads. Right. You got to know the ad people. He talked about that. Yeah, that. um, But also, he talked about how certain ads can devalue their podcast. True. If you're taking $1,000 here, $1,500 here, it's like my podcast is much more valuable than that. So I need an ad and I need a, uh, a dollar amount that's comparable to what 
what we can do because he's right. saying that we have engagement well into people are listening well into people are listening Two to hours. the entire podcast to the last hour yeah and so we're not, at the end of their podcast they're playing songs people are listening from the start from the jump where they just talking and throwing shots at each other all the way into the end where they playing music so yeah he did that on purpose though he said he was making the podcast three hours as a social see experiment, how long people were listening. and he was looking at that. He's like, the retention time is crazy. Yeah, they're listening to the last hour. Yeah, so it's like, dog, if you make it a three, he said, he said, a lot of y'all sat here and listened through, you know, Parks Collie Greens, and, you know, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, y'all listen to this shit, and you did it to the last hour. Yeah. He said, so we know what our value is. Yeah, if you get rid of, if Joe Budden leaves that platform. You could say, oh, it's not going to hurt them. They got Michelle Obama's podcast now, and they got Joe Rogan coming there, and they got this and that. And what was the one dude's name? Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. Yeah. This is another thing that pissed me off, right? Because I've talked to Keith, and I think me and Joe Budden have a parallel mindset with certain things. So it's not that, it's not like you're watching um, other people's uh, pockets or what they're doing or whatever it is. But if you work for a big corporation, and let's say, for example, you don't get a, a a bonus or a raise or whatever the fuck. But let's say the company makes a deal with another dude for way more money. Mm-hmm. They went and got Bill Simmons. What was it for? Like, like uh, two uh, wasn't for two fifty. Yeah, something like that. One hundred two something, something like quarter that. Quarter of a billion yeah. for this whole thing. For yeah, yeah it's crazy. So they got Bill Simmons for all that money. And it was a time where uh, Joe Budden's dad was in the hospital, really sick. His dad was like dying. And he got a call from Bill Simmons, right? He gets a call from Bill Simmons, the motherfucker that Spotify paid a bunch of money and they still have not paid him, right? So he's at the hospital with his dad, gets a call from Bill Simmons saying like, hey, I haven't seen your podcast in a while. Um, you know, it's easy. You can do it from home and whatever, right? You can do the Zoom. You can do the Zoom and you mm-hmm. can do this and I that. I can help you set it up. Yeah, and he basically was like, Okay. And then he hung up like, motherfucker, don't ever call my phone again. No, he told him his dad was dying. Yeah, he and then he was just like, uh, okay. But yeah, so you can set it up and I can help yeah, you yeah. set it up. And he was just like. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So Spotify basically sick Bill Simmons on Joe Budden to start podcasting again. And they didn't give a fuck that Joe Budden's dad was dying. And they sent, they sent a motherfucker that they paid a bunch of money to call Joe Budden. So it also shows how important Joe Budden is to that platform. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it ain't it's not it's not cool at all. Not only do you not have empathy, but they also paid your bitch ass and you're calling me. Fuck you, yeah. man. And then he said during that stint, um, his dad was very sick. Yeah. And they were just trying. That was one thing having Bill Simmons call, but they were just trying to push him to start the podcast up again. It's He's ridiculous. Like, yeah, my dad is dying on top of the fact that they didn't give them a vacation. Yeah. This is why it's important to run your own shit. I personally believe me and Keith can make a lot of money doing it the way we want to do it. Yeah. And this is why I say that a lot of people that are not in, in the create the, the creative world may be like, Oh, you just, how can you make money from podcasting? We haven't even scratched the surface of how much money podcasts make. You just seen Joe Rogan get a crazy ass deal. J- the deal's so big. Let me tell you how big his, his, his deal is, right? His deal is so big that he was able to move to Texas, create a new studio, stu- a new studio with a gym inside of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the type of shit that's going on through the podcast world. And by the way, Joe Rogan is a partner with Spotify. They don't own shit. Yeah. They are just lucky to be like, uh, uh, um, you know, and then, then Joe Rogan also said, yeah, I'm not used to anybody telling me anything. But then he said the only thing that really pissed me off and it really wasn't that big of a deal is they called me like, hey, uh, do you know who you're going to have? And he said that was enough to make my skin crawl. 
But, <laughs> you know, but I could feel him when you run your shit. I don't want nobody calling Keith. I don't want nobody calling me and be like, hey, um, we got this guest lined up. Fuck your guest. <laughs> yeah. That's up to me and Keith. You, you don't tell us anything. Well, actually, we can have some type of creative. No, you sit in that office and you be a fucking nerd and you stay out of my business. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk you guys heads off. This might be a boring topic to you, but I, I just think that it's important to know whatever business you're getting into. Try to find out what metric they're using or mm-hmm. what metrics they're using to determine your value. I think um, one of the other interesting parts of this conversation was uh, Charlemagne the God's rebuttal and their conversation that they had. Yeah. And Charlemagne the God was basically like, you know, it's, it's basically saying it's Joe Budden's fault. You need to get better lawyers or whatever because you keep signing these bad contracts. And uh, Joe Budden's uh, response to that was like, you need to shut up because I'm fighting for us. Right. And you're speaking from a place where you don't own anything. Right. You're there on you a go. Ra- you're on iHeartRadio. You don't own that. You don't own your, your podcast. podcast. You don't own that. Um, whatever, you know, conversations or whatever you do, essentially yeah. you don't own you much. You don't of own it. much of anything. Yeah, no. exactly. So he's just like, if you're speaking from that position, you don't understand what I'm going through. So 100%. you just need to sit back and chill. Yeah, the only person that Joe Budden could really have a real conversation with about ownership would be like a Nipsey Hustle or somebody. Yeah, or Russ. Oh Russ. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Cause it's it's a it's a different it's just a different world when mm-hmm. and it's so much harder when you don't have the the capital and the money to have all these lawyers and shit there. People can get over on you. They will they'll be like, yeah, we want to sign you guys five hundred thousand uh, each. You guys can keep your intellectual property. Just sign these papers, and they gonna they're gonna put they're gonna have all this um, um, jargon, all yeah. this legal jargon, and, and they're gonna have like two hundred and fifty sheets of paper that you gotta sign. And if you don't have legal representation, you shouldn't sign any of that shit. But the the biggest point that he made was that the fact that he signed that contract two years ago. Right. Joe Rogan just signed maybe a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he got that big money then. All of this, all these big contracts happened after he signed. Yeah. So that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, like, I'm mad at the money we exactly. got. He's like, this is, you know, a two-year-old contract. What I'm saying is when it was time to re-up, they didn't come through with the bag like they were supposed to. And the bag on top of the circumstances in which we can actually yeah. do business, not taking yeah. all of our property, not, I mean, our all of our IP, not... You know, not sharing us, us sharing with us our true position, not giving right. us bonuses, not giving us vacations, not calling me when I where my freaking dad is dying. Right. I, yeah. So. And not even that the, the bon yeah the bonuses didn't happen. But the number one thing that I could understand his grievance is when they sign you and they realize how profitable podcasting is and how much you are driving the numbers in the podcast world and how you are number one every fucking year. And they are signing people. They're signing podcast platforms. They fucking bought out podcasts. They bought out uh, was it was it Gielin or, or mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Yeah, they're buying. They're literally buying podcast platforms. They got that much money, mm-hmm. and they still number one. How do you buy out podcast? And or you buy basically you buy out competition. Yeah. They're and, like number 15 now, though. Yeah, like they were 17 when he said that. Yeah. But I think they went up. I just looked on the thing as well. So. Oh, they're 15 yeah. right now? Okay. 15, 16. That's fucking now. high. Over 500 plus thousand podcasts. Yeah. So that's pretty high. But what they were saying, they were saying it was kind of uh, very, um, 
uh, how ironic that mm-hmm. they've been number one, number one, number one, number one, and then all of a sudden they just dropped to 15, 17. Mm. Yeah. See, this, that's the Very thing. Very convenient. Very convenient. There you go. Because the funny thing is, is what you would have to do manually is check the streams. And here's the problem. But they can't get the numbers. They can't get the numbers. Yeah. When somebody controls a platform, ultimately they're going to do their best to control you. Yeah. Right. And if you control the platform, this is what I strongly suggest. If you're a podcaster like me and Keith, this is the truckers mind podcast. We do this under the, you know, under, you know, SoundCloud and we are also on Apple and we're also on, you know, laughable. We're on all these other different apps. You can find the podcast, but we don't have an exclusive deal with any of them. And purposely me and Keith purposely, literally. And this is Keith that told me this two years ago. Let's not go to Spotify, man. I'm, like, I'm on this podcast. I'm, I've had a lot of. We're gonna talk about the next one. Yeah, the next topic. But I have a lot of like foresight when and Eddie the same way. Not yeah. I'm not trying to gloat or whatever, but yeah. we just be having like these these uh, hunches. Yeah. about certain things. So you know, mm-hmm. we, I share with him. He shared with me, and then two, three years mm-hmm. later, it happens. And you just but like, you yeah. you had it like right before Joe Budden went to Spotify. Uh-huh. You said. Uh, let's let's wait, man. He's like, because people out here getting bags. Like, like <laughs> let's just wait. But, you yeah. know. And then I was like, all right. I was like, we need to go to Spotify. I was the one saying we needed to go. He's like, nah, nah. Yeah. And then now you look at this. If Spotify can't treat Joe Budden good, why the fuck you would think they would treat Eddie and Keith good? We're nobody yeah. to them. There, and that we know people that have podcasts and they're on Spotify. But the thing is, like. You're only getting a fraction of what you're really worth. 100%. They, um, I've seen the numbers and how many views or listens you have to have in order to get, um, in order to get a, uh, to, to make a dollar. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And like, like Joe Budden said, it's not music. Our podcast be an hour and 45 minutes. That's much more valuable than a two and two and a half minute song. So you have to make something comparable because if you're listening and you're also more engaged, you're actually listening. After a song goes off, you'd be wanting to skip to the yeah. next one, especially if you're um, if you're on the, the free platform and you're just listening to your phone on your phone. You'd be wanting to skip. You don't want to eat and, and you don't want to be engaged with what's going on when you're doing a podcast. It's like I said, it's hour, two hours. Also, you're more engaged. You're listening attentively. And then also right. the the um the advertisement is going to be something that actually caters to to what you're doing exactly so yeah mm-hmm. yeah man um i just think ultimately man if don't devalue your work yeah. right if you're a person that does does that just does podcasts for fun that's great because you should be having fun while you do it i have fun every week but i would be lying if i felt that i can't get paid from doing this because i know i can fucking get paid i know me, me, and, me and keith can both get paid off of doing these podcasts mm-hmm. I feel like we we have the engagement to do it. Don't be fooled by the numbers. We do okay. We don't do like we're not doing eighteen thousand listens or some shit like that. We're because I'm a truck driver. Keith is a film director, and we're both from Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. We're, we're one podcast of many podcasts in the world. But if you, if Spotify, let's say for example, Spotify said we'll take the little guy, and they put Spotify behind Keith and Eddie, we probably be at the top of that fucking chart. Yeah. I guarantee you, if Spotify somehow reached out to us and didn't do do us the way they did Joe Button, and they put Spotify behind us, and uh, you know how the, the podcast is like um, some algorithm that pops up on there. If you listen to this, you might like this. If you like Joe Button's podcast, you might like a Trucker's Mind podcast. Yeah. 
and then people just said, fuck it, let me give it a try. You're going to watch those numbers drive up, 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 up. It's about the content. And this is what I love what Joe Budden said the, the best. Joe Budden said, y'all go off numbers. I go off vibes. Yeah. You know, that's he's, powerful. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Because if if you take this podcast and you give it a Joe Budden, right? And he's listening. He'd probably be like, y'all got good energy. I like what y'all do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be like, yeah, y'all numbers kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's looking at it from, matter of fact, look, the other day I sent Keith a song. And I found this guy on Instagram, um, some dude named AGB, right? And uh, shout out to him. Um, I clicked on, well, his advertisement popped up because you know how people could pay for advertisement space on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seen it and I was like, yo, this is a dope song. So I go to his profile and then I click his link and then I go to Spotify and he was only getting like 26 monthly listeners. Mm-hmm. And the first song I listened to, I like, yo, this shit is dope. Yeah. I really, really vibe with this shit. And then I went to his next song. I was like, yo, this shit is dope. Yeah. So I inboxed the dude and I told him, hey, man, you make great music, dude. Like, I don't know where you are in your career, but keep going. I love what you do. And he, he hit me back like, oh, man, I appreciate it. But these are the type of creators in the world where they don't get all the recognition. But they make great shit. And it's a lot of us out there. Mm -hmm. All we need is a shot, bro. Crazy. Yeah. I think I think what um, what I've realized is that um, if you if you standing on integrity. Right. And you move in a a way where um, you always have your best interest in in mind and you're well researching whatever thing. However many years down the line, you'll always be looked at as like, yo, he he was he exactly. was on to something. Exactly. And I think um I think about a guy like Ryan Leslie. To some people yes. he may he may be off the grid. There you but go. to other people he making two, three million dollars off of a CD based on tours, based yes. off of, you know, just merchandise sales and stuff like that. So Bruh. it's it's difficult because it's easy for us to put our, our podcast on SoundCloud or whatever. But Ryan Leslie is like, yo, I'm going to sell everything direct to consumer. Yes. And he did that. This dude was over 10 years ahead of what, what, like this guy has a mass text. Basically back then he was grabbing everyone's emails when they came to his concerts to where they could get exclusive deals and exclusive um, um, tickets that they could buy. So he was basically directly communicating with his fans. Yeah. And I'm like, this is fucking genius. And to this day, he still connects with those fans because they gave their email up. Yeah. That is crazy. And now, but now I moved to text messages. Yeah, the text messages. has that app. It's called Big Phone or something like that. Yeah, su- Super Phone. No, super Phone, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's making dough, bro. Yeah, shout out so, to Ryan Leslie. There's, look, I, I'll say this before we wrap it up on this topic is there's so many ways to make money in this world that you can make money doing what you hate, which is probably your job every day. Or if you're passionate about something and you can monetize it and make money off it, that's great. But please make sure you're not being shortchanged. Yeah, especially to, you know, artists out there, podcasters, whomever. If you are, you know, on a path to signing a deal or something like that. One thing that Maul from Joe Budden's podcast always says is that um, what's one or two more days of living the life you're living right now? Exactly. So why? sign a deal where you're going to get a crazy advance and you're going to be in debt to the label when you can wait two, three more months or maybe a Mm -hmm. year of living under the same circumstances you're living now um, and then wait on a better deal or just build it up on your own. So if this is where I'm getting, 
if the true of uh, the true value, let's say me and Keith's streams go absolutely nuts within yeah. the next year, right? Let's say they go crazy and we get an offer from somebody and they say, yeah, we're willing to pay you and Keith. We get you, we get you in for a million a year, right? And I'd be like, Keith, that's crazy. We ain't never seen that type of money. Mm-hmm. But then if I pay attention to the world and how many, how much money these other guys are signing for and they're signing for 30 million, I'm at the politely decline that $1 million offer. And you have to understand how much integrity it takes to do that, especially if you've never been in a position to have a million dollars. Yeah. First of all, that million dollars ain't a million dollars. You're taxing the fuck out of it, for yeah. one. Um, and two, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you put yourself in a better position? If they say, well, we're going to take the offer away if you don't take it, I'll be like, okay. Because I know go some, back to the office. I'm just go back to the office. I might be beating myself up, but at least before I die, I can say I turned down a million dollar offer <laughs> because I knew what my real value was. Yeah. Yeah. Just go back to your regular day. Go but like you day. said, what mom said is like, you won't be missing it because you never had it. So exactly. You can't miss something you never had. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel about Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Halle Berry, Halle Berry. Man, she's still fine. Yeah. That shit crazy. She's like 50 or something like God, that. Dang. 50 she got something. That, yeah. Man, Vintage she, wop. Yeah, she got that uh, um, uh, mature wop. <laughs> <laughs> And she half white, half black. She got that um, vanilla chocolate wop. <laughs> got that vanilla swirl wop. She got that uh, ma- macchiato wop. Uh, <laughs> All right, switching gears. Um, oh, did I pull that out? Oh, no, I didn't. We're good. Um, <laughs> recently, Keith sent me a, uh, it was a, a video. It was a TED talk. And there was this woman that was basically talking about pedophilia. And basically, I don't know how much I don't know if she was trying to normalize it, but she was basically stating like these people are normal people. They can't help who they're attracted to this, this and that. And she she was an eloquent speaker. But what I took from it is this. I take the fact that you can't even rationalize pedophilia. Uh I remember like two years ago, me and Keith, like Keith called me and I was at work and he said he wanted to have this conversation. He was like, yo, what what if pedophiles have a problem to where they they see kids just like that's just what they're attracted to and i was like damn i never thought of that but i was like we can't have that conversation right now (laughs) and he was like i know we can't have it but keith was once again he was two years ahead of where we are because there was a ted talk of a woman basically trying to normalize the idea of pedophilia when you cannot like pedophilia is that you a kid cannot give consent Mm-hmm. And if you're a grown man and you're preying on kids, that makes you a vulture. That makes you a motherfucking creep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but first of all, let me be clear. Pedophilia is, pedophilia, pedophilia is not exclusive to men. There are a lot of women, a lot of teachers, fucking 15-year-old kids, 15-year-old boys. Yep. It's, and it's weird, man. Um, yeah. But let me say this. When it comes down to it, Right. You can't I can't blame any particular political party, whether it's conservatives, liberal, whatever. But what I will say is, is I see um, more liberals pushing the envelope when it comes to kids like, you know, being like non-binary or knowing who they are at an earlier age or telling them they don't have to be a gender. That's more or less coming from the liberals. However, I'm not saying they're they're, you know, appropriating pedophile shit. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is is that that door got open to communicate that message to kids. And now this is going on, right? And this is completely unacceptable. Yeah. 
I think that um, so the 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 thing for me was, and I I don't want to. Uh, this is a touchy subject because you know, I don't want to offend anybody. But so the, they're what, gonna be offended anyways. <laughs> so continue. <laughs> so what happens? And if I'm offending you, we can have a conversation about it. So if if you're you think about liberals and you know there's a whole LGBTQIA plus going on, right? So um, it starts out as you know you, the America or you know the world being more accepting accepting of the gay community, right? Right. That's it's fine. fine. You can you can have you know sex with whoever you want to. You can marry whoever you want to. It doesn't affect me any. Um, and then you you kind of push forward a couple more years, and then it, it starts to become like uh, the the transgender. We're trying to accept transgender. We're trying to you know get different bathrooms so right. you know they can be more accepting and, right. and stuff like that. So that that's the next thing. Right. And then we have this whole movement of people being like non gender conforming. So right. We right. have to change the pronouns. Right. You know if we we call a if we call a um, a her. Or if we call in a them, a her, it's offensive to them and all right. these things. So that's that's the next thing. Right. Um, and then 2020, all of a sudden, we're just trying to uh, push for this acceptance of. And I don't even know if she was pushing for it, but no. she was just explaining that we should be maybe like less judgmental because they're um, it's it's something that they can't help. So right. essentially now we're trying to push for, you know, this this uh older men being or older women or men or women being able to be um in relationships or sexual intercourse with you know underage people so all i'm trying to say is that what happens with liberals is that it's known as the progressive party right so in turn um because you know just by the fact that they are being progressive we always have to or they always have to push for right. the new thing to be accepted. And right? this is all new stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's very new conceptually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that I think that um, whatever happened at the genesis of this whole like LGBTQ movement um, is this is just a byproduct of all of that because yeah. they're just trying always constantly exactly. pushing, pushing. So the next thing it may be like, what's wrong with a woman being in a relationship with a dog? All right, bestialities. Yeah, yeah. like what, you know, and not to be like I'm try, trying to be serious here, but like yeah. that's just what happens. They just keep pushing, pushing the line. Yeah. I just think what happens is at some point people will try to infiltrate something, yeah. even when it should not be appropriated. Now, uh, be be very clear. If you're not a person that likes nuanced conversations, just turn the podcast off. Okay, <laughs> just turn it the fuck off. What Keith is basically come saying, back next week when we yeah, that, when we talking about pussy use. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah what it is these conversations need to be had based on the fact that these concepts a lot of them are very new right and since they're very new there's going to be a lot of other conversations that go along with it and um, you can't expect everybody to get them right? yeah now I personally am strongly against pedophilia and I think most people are. But I think that the floodgates will open for people to want to be accepted as pedophiles because they feel like it's something that they can't control. But they can use the same conversation as someone that was trans used, meaning I always knew I was a woman. Right. Yeah. They'll say I always knew I was attracted to kids and I can't control it. 
Yeah. And what they're doing is, is they're infiltrating the LGBT community to try to push for this shit to go. Mm-hmm. However, the question is how far of a line, like when is it, when is it too much? Yeah. That's the question. When, yeah. when is it too much? And at the end of the day, I don't have the answers, right? Yeah. My thing is, is whether it was uh, gay, trans, whatever the case, it does not affect me because I'm not judging anybody. If you are of my thing is, if you are of age, right? Yeah. This is my gripe. If you are of age and you feel like you were born a woman, even though you're a man, you're of age to make that, that, that change. And that is your right. That is your business. Right. But anything involving kids to me is a no, no. Whenever you say kids need to know like that, they don't have to be a boy or a girl. Now you fucked up to me. You're taking this too far. Okay. That's not a conversation needs to be had at all. Let kids be kids, period. That's my problem. And then like um, the conversation the woman was having on the TED talk about how they can't help who they're attracted to this and that. Well, guess what? Just lock them up then. Okay. (laughs) Just lock them up. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say too is like the 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 reason why we can kind of equate it to the the LGBTQ movement, right, is because it's um it's something that was a law prior to right. It's a law. It's a law that you you know you can't um, have a relationship or intercourse with or marry um someone that's underage. Right. The same with you know the whole LGBTQ community. You know, once upon a time it was a crime for them to be in a relationship where they couldn't get married or, or, or something like that. Um, the it's, it's, um, it's one of those things also like as far as, um, the reason why, and I obviously I don't want these adults having relationships with kids and, um, I obviously, and I, I want anyone to marry whomever they want to marry as far as whatever, whatever gender, but I will say that um, the only reason why it's in a real issue is because of society. Right. Like we just don't accept it as a society. Right. So if in 50 years, all of a sudden they pass this law that you can, a 50 year old can be in a relationship with a 15 year old, then it's, that's just the norm. You right. know what I mean? So. Right. Um, that's the only reason I can equate it to, you know, that community. Um, obviously, like I said, I don't condone that type of thing, but the, but that's just because of society. That's just, I'm a traditionalist. So, you know, that's just the way that we were. I think people that are that, you know, halfway think they're going to say Keith is being transphobic. Keith is just, you know, I just, I'm not listening to that podcast anymore. Well, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Get the fuck on. (laughs) This is for people who are thinking and who are thinkers. And we're thinking through this. It's not, we don't have the answers. We don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, and, and this is not blaming it on anybody, but you have to understand where the conversation started. These conversations don't even exist with conservatives at all. Mm-hmm. We know this, whether you're if you're liberal, you know, I'm telling the truth Because mm-hmm. me and Keith are more left leaning, but we're also very objective. Mm-hmm. So we understand that these conversations are more had with liberals, you know, meaning, you know, basically try, uh, uh, getting kids at an earlier age to understand their genders and all of that. And it's like, I don't agree with none of that based on the fact that I was allowed to be a kid. Yeah. Everybody else around me was allowed to be a kid. They were not given these adult themes or conversations at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And I know some dudes that were my age now, but when they got older, they came out as gay. But guess what? They got a chance to be kids. Mm-hmm. They gravitated to what they wanted to be as they got older. And it was an organic change. I know some dudes that's gay. And, I'm, and I don't, when I think of them or when I see them, I don't be like, oh, he gay. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Because yeah. we all grew up together. Yeah. And you never, I never identified them as gay. I just thought they was a little bit different, but you never, you never just like, you know, you just kids. You don't know. Yeah. And then they became grown men and became gay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, fine. But this eliminates that. Yeah. Like you should never thrust a child into an adult world at all. What, 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 what I will say though is like, what? So the reason your argument is that the these kids aren't, old enough to make decisions yet no what is what's the reason no i'm saying oh no i'm just saying no right you're agreeing with me yeah yeah my bad so but (laughs) (laughs) what i'm saying is that um but our what is our prefrontal prefrontal cortex cortex isn't developed till what 20 mid-20s almost 30 years fucking years old so that so that's my my and i'm I'm just being a playing devil's advocate advocate here right is uh when so should it be when you're, what'd you say, 20 what? Well, your prefrontal cortex is still, is still uh, until like your mid-20s. So say you're 25, right? Mm-hmm. So should that be the cutoff age then? Yeah. To where like somebody, you have to be like 25 and under or 20, you have to be at least 25 um, to date someone over yeah. the age of But 20. the problem is, is though, that, that people, when they come to these determinations, they, um, they just. Have to plug the charger. Oh, go ahead. What happened? No. Nah. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, when people have these conversations, they they completely dismiss science. So when you dismiss science, you won't mention the prefrontal cortex being developed or not developed based on the fact that you're not using that as the metric of what, you know, a, a thinking adult is going to do. It's more or less going to be like, this is how I feel. This is this. And if you disagree, then you're transphobic or you're whatever phobic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just not I don't I don't agree with that. Like, I think that you cannot make conscious decisions at nine years old about your gender when you don't, when you're still trying to, you don't even know what fucking cereal you want for breakfast. Yeah. That's a problem to me. Yeah. And, and I told, talked about it before, but I knew someone that, um, was, uh, a man and he, that's right. He told me he was, he turned into uh, a woman. I don't know the correct, you know, politically correct terminology, but he turned into a woman. Trans woman. Trans woman. Yeah, he trans, but what's the verb for it though? Um, transition. He transitioned. There we go. He transitioned into a woman, and then he transitioned back into uh, into a man. So he had a you know couple transitions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. But it's but and he's an adult. You know his prefrontal cortex. Oh, he was in his early twenties, but his prefrontal cortex was probably not developed entirely yet but he was still making these decisions but right. imagine if he made that decision when he was like 13 years old 100 percent. and he had a surgery and all these things and it's like dang like what did i do in my life 100 percent. Yeah. that's 100 percent. and i think that i think that me and keith have done enough episodes to finally have this conversation yeah you know i think you have an idea of who we are as human beings so if you want to tune out based on the fact that you just totally disagree with everything we're saying that's fine we don't make this podcast for you to agree with shit we we do it to to um to make you think yeah that's that's basically it and in regards to the whole uh the trans conversation um i don't think that it's in regards to science that i guess i don't know they're basically saying i f- i feel like a woman 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't have anything to do with science. Mm-hmm. Like it or what? Or I'm looking, I'm looking for the right uh, terminology here. Like biologically, excuse me. Yeah. It just it's it dismisses that. Yeah. So you really can't have the prefrontal cortex conversation because that is science has been completely dismissed mm-hmm. based on the fact. Or that, they haven't found the science for. Or they haven't found the science yet. for it. Yeah. That's a better way to verbalize it. So you see how hard me and Keith got to think to make sure <laughs> we don't offend people. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I, which mm-hmm. was interesting, too. I was thinking about it and I was like, um, if we if we so if we um, if you want to make a comparison between like, you know, the, the gay community and or the, you know, the LGBT community and um, these uh, these quote unquote like pedophiles. Right. Um, and part of it is. So I was having this conversation with Eddie and I was telling him there's this movie. I think it's if um, I think it's Nymphomaniac volume two or something like that. It's this movie and this might be the wrong movie. So if you're listening and you you know what movie I'm talking about, you could let me know. But it's this movie called Nymphomaniac. And in the movie, there is um, this man and he gets locked up. And I think they're trying to they're trying to rob him or they're trying to take some money from him or something like that. And um, there's this girl that's um, they got him tied. I think it's like a couple men in the room. They got him tied up. And essentially what she's trying to do is trying to get some information out of him or, or something like that. So she, in the movie's called Nymphomaniac. And obviously that, you know, it's like very yeah. sexual, freak, you know, freaky person or whatever. Yeah. But um, anal. <laughs> <laughs> Wop. <laughs> so she she's she's like pressing this guy and she tries to she tries to seduce him. And she tries to get information out of him by seducing him. So she's she was like rubbing his leg, rubbing his thigh, talking dirty to him, you know, whispering in his ear and stuff like that. And he's just not aroused at all. And um, the the scene goes on, and she's like, "Oh, okay, that's not working." So she's like, she's thinking, she's thinking, she's like, "Oh, well, what about this?" And she starts to tell him a, a story, and she's like, "Yeah, there's this." little boy at the park and uh you know he has a school uniform on he's swinging on the swing and she's like very, making this very seductive scene out of a right. out of a little kid right and he starts to get an erection and he's like crying at the same time but um so that scene goes on and he's a he's a married man he he has a family has a kids he never acted on right. um any of these feelings but he uh he just had he probably had these these visions, dreams, whatever right. thoughts, but he never acted on it. So my question is, like, does that make him a pedophile hmm. if he never if he never acted on on yeah. any? I don't of those think things? anybody has the answers for it. Yeah, I don't think anybody has the answer for that one. But I will say that it's extremely concerning because a lot of these people that have these problems, you call them teacher and principal. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you don't know who's around your kids or what's going on. Um, you just got to make them aware to the dangers of what's happening. But but I don't even think that guy is a threat. That's just mm. something that he has in his head. And in the movie, he didn't act on it. He has a family and everything. Mm. But that's just something that, and we, like we talked about before, we don't we don't know why we're attracted to what, what we're, we're attracted, attracted to. One. You see, you know, a girl walking across the street. She got a big booty. And you're like, dang, that's that's you know right. What I'm that's that's right. Good looking. But I think that what we're attracted to is more traditional, like. You know, thick black women, thick white women, thick mm-hmm. Mexican women or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And you like, I like that. I don't know why I like it, but I do. Well, actually, I do know why. But I, I like <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's just what I like. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have an origin story for why I like it. Yeah. But I also can't make that comparable to, you know, somebody liking kids. But 
who knows what that means. Yeah. That it's, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think we have the information on it based on the fact that we don't really give a fuck. I think we, I think we're like, yo, you like kids, you're a weirdo, you need to go to prison. That's to, to me, though, I think that's so like, it's just, um, I think it's so much deeper than that. And, and not that I have the answers or that I, you know, know what the answers is or that I'm, you know, that anybody out there has the answers. I just so but I think my stance on it has changed. Like mm. I'm not there. So there's people, especially now that um, there was a, a quote unquote or somebody that the public deemed to be um, a pedophile that got shot during the Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Some people thought that um, Jacob Blake was a pedophile. And so when he got shot and when the other guy got shot and killed, they were just like, yeah, you know, we, we need to get this scum off the earth. And for me, like, I, I feel like I don't know if it's just because I'm older, if I I just care about people more. I deem those people as sick more than I do as just like mm. somebody that needs to burn in hell. Hmm. Um, so that I just my my stance on it is is just a little bit I, different. Not that I'm appropriating it or anything. hundred percent, not at all. I just think that we're in a world where we sin different, mm-hmm. but some sins are unforgivable. Some and I think that we it'll be the same dude that you know. Um, lust for women or has a bunch of children out of wedlock and will make these statements about people. But I would label them as sick. I would. Yeah. Uh, just like as you were, mm-hmm. but I just, it's just, this is an extremely nuanced conversation. We would have to have literally a three hour podcast about yeah. this one conversation. Yeah. And I think all the people listening, people with kids would be like that. Here's the problem. People with kids that aren't very smart would be like, Y'all listen to that podcast with Eddie and uh, Keith, man. They were talking about pedophiles is cool and shit. <laughs> Nobody funny. ever said that, you yeah. fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. What we're saying is it's a more nuanced conversation than what people are making it. Yeah. And the origin of this new, uh, this TED Talk that popped up, it's concerning, but it's also something to look at. Yeah, exactly. We're so used to not communicating. We're so used to not communicating that we just like will invalidate things yeah and what i do is i'm not i'm not saying that what she's saying is credible but i'm not going to invalidate it because i I really want to listen and she's also done a lot of research i think we've just so as far as this topic we've just it's just just been ingrained in us that what r kelly doing is wrong and obviously it is wrong he's breaking the law but or whatever you know maybe you got a family member that has done a heinous act in your family and you know it's, it's kind of an unspoken thing or whatever all these things are wrong and like you said the people that got shot a few days ago they're you know they're justifying it because allegedly they're pedophiles yeah. um but what we're saying is it's it's just deeper than that it's, yeah. it's not as simple as you know they should die but also like why do we think this way mm. you know and it and it's partly because it's just been ingrained in us that it's wrong Right. Yeah. Outside of that, it's it's not like and you gave a real reason as far yeah. as like the prefrontal cortex or these kids aren't old enough to make decisions. Yeah, yet, they but, can't consent. Yeah. So but most other people don't have a real reason. They're just like they should die and this should happen. Yeah. So shoot them. Yeah. Is it something to think about? Put some peanut butter on them and kill them. <laughs> kill that peanut butter file. <laughs> peanut butter file. All right. Well, we are at the end of that one. Uh, switching gears. Um, recently we've all witnessed the shooting of Jacob Blake and I feel like this is a very nuanced conversation. Um, first of all, I'll say this. I think that what we're dealing with in America right now is a psychological battle. 
Mm-hmm. We're fighting a psychological war. This war does not require guns and bombs and tanks. This is a war of the minds. And I think that we live in a country where there's so much um, there's so much um, pain that has not been dealt with. We just kind of like swept things under the rug and they just keep coming back. Why is it that right now in 2020 in the most tech, like basically the most technologically advanced world where cars could practically drive themselves and your cell phone is basically like a computer. We're still having trivial conversations about racism Mm -hmm. and we're having conversations about racism because this is something that will always exist. This is something that is not going anywhere. And the extremely unfortunate thing about it is, is people don't realize that, Mm -hmm. you know, how many marches have happened? How many protests have happened? You got to understand I think we fucked up and I'm going to I'm going to come back to this conversation here, but let's go into Jacob Blake with Jacob Blake. I watched the tape and um, the officer shot him, obviously, seven times, which is fucked up. Um, and then they, they didn't have body cam footage. So my problem is, is where's the body cam footage for one? I think mm-hmm. these officers should always have their body cams on. Um, secondly, why did they not apprehend him as he was moving away? I think that. The multiple things are true. I think that the police did not have control. They did not apprehend him as he was moving to the car. Supposedly, they um, they tried to tase him and he just mm. shrugged it off. That's what they said. I don't know if it's true or not. Okay. Well, either way, they didn't have control. And what's also true is the fact that Jacob Blake went to reach in his car. Mm -hmm. I will say this as a black man. If you are looking at the, the the landscape of America and you've seen black men getting shot, right? Why would you think it's a smart idea to go in your car? And I know people are going to be like, oh, why are you blaming Jacob Blake for him being shot? You shouldn't be doing that. You need to listen, right? I think that there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of, I mean, Keith talked about this. A lot of people don't have a lot of emotional intelligence, whether it's cops or people in general. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that you cannot give someone fuel to do something. Now they may probably wanted to shoot him. Maybe they wanted to shoot him. That's why they let him go to his car because they knew once he gets here, we could fuck him up. Now, if you understand that these situations can be real, you cannot go to your car. You black men and black people are getting shot for standing there just for standing there. Mm -hmm. There've been times where I've had situations with the police I kept it respectful, even though the cop was being a complete dickhead. And the reason why is I did it based on the fact that I don't know what that guy is going through. How much of this shit is he bringing to work? How much of this trauma is he bringing to work? My father always taught me, make sure you say yes, sir. No, sir. Be respectful. Be kind. Even if they be in a piece of shit because they have the power to shoot you and you don't have any power. I don't get why people don't understand this. I'm not blaming this man for being shot, but there is a certain level of responsibility you have to have when dealing with the police because these people are just like me and you, except they have the right to carry a gun by law and they can exercise that right to shoot you at any moment when they feel threatened. Don't give them that reason. Yeah, I'm right there. I think that and so of course, we've we've just seen too many people. We've seen George Floyd. We've seen Jacob yeah. Blake get shot. 
Um, so the conversation here is um, is not about you know whether he should have been shot or not. That's 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 neither here nor there. We right. already know that's not even a question. He shouldn't have he shouldn't have been shot in the back seven times. Right. Um, but for for our conversation, it's more pointing to this idea that. Um, as black people, um, and we talk about this before, but we just got to make it home. It's, we, we, whether you, whether you got to be humiliated by the police, whether you got to be, you know, um, you know, beat up, whatever, we just got to make it home. You got to live to fight another day. And, and luckily Jacob Blake, um, survived, although they say he is paralyzed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we just gotta, like I said, we just gotta live to fight another day. We can't give them. And they already want to shoot you. They got hit. The gun was out already. Yeah. Um, so we can't give them any sort of idea, any sort of um, room to uh, to to act on that thing that he already wants to do. I, t- I told that told that story before here on the podcast where I was at a light and essentially the, the cop was getting frustrated because I was I was driving too slow and he was trying to turn. That's the kind of temperament that we're dealing with with these police officers. They have yeah. low emotional intelligence. Not all of them, but I feel like a lot of them do. Um, you talked about, you know, you being pulled over many, many times. I've been in the car with Eddie and the police officer. They don't come and say like, you know, they don't come and ask general questions. They asking if we're on probation or parole. Right. It's like that's just not how you communicate with people. Um they they don't know how to communicate. They have low emotional intelligence. So knowing that, you almost have to be the bigger person. One hundred percent. We talked about um, like this idea of you know you maybe getting into a an, an argument with your partner, and there has to be someone that deescalates the 100%. the argument. Um, in in this case, you know you got to treat these police officers like you know, the, the person you are in a relationship with, because generally a lot of times it's one person with, um, you know, low emotional intelligence and a person with high emo- or high or, you know, medium emotional intelligence. So it's up to the person with, um, uh, very high emotional intelligence to diffuse right. the argument and not say, excuse me, and not say things that will trigger more exactly. um, because if not, then it's just a toxic relationship. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happens a lot of times with um, these these situations. So the, the police officer will approach you and he like, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you in this neighborhood? And then yeah. you're like, yo, what do you mean? What am I doing here? I live down the street. And then it's just this constant bickering back yeah. and forth. And then he's like, get out of the car. And then all of a sudden you fight and then you get shot. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us. And it may be demeaning. It may, and obviously we, we said it before, we need some sort of uh, uh, repercussions for all these acts that are going on. But you you won't be able to um, have your day in court if you if you're gone. Fight them in court, not on yeah. the side of the street. You'll never win. Yeah. Um, this is this is the biggest one here. Um, the biggest one is a lot of the officers. You know, this I would love to have this conversation with BPD. Um, a lot of officers did not grow up in the inner city, right? They didn't grow up on the east side of town or whatever the case. So wherever they lived. They heard about these areas. Oh, that's a bad side of town. Don't go there. Uh, yeah. Don't go there. And as they got older, they kept this ideology. Oh, they're terrible people. There are a lot of criminals. A crime over there. There's nothing but crime over there. 
Now, when you become a police officer, how much does that ideology change? It doesn't. You are on high guard when you go and you see it could be an eight year old kid minding his business. And some of these people that never grew up on the side of town might think that, oh, yeah, that eight year old, he might he probably got dope on him. Yeah, because you think the worst of these people. And the reason why it becomes a racial thing is based on the fact that the United States government created the ghettos. It's not me bringing out fake news. If you Google what redlining is and white flight, those two things matter. So white people fled and went to the the suburbs and black people were not allowed to live there. That's why even in every city, even in Bakersfield, California, if you only have like two black neighbors, you're like, wow, I don't have any black neighbors. That has to do with the government affecting the whole world, the whole United States. In every city in America, ghettos are predominantly black and brown, not because black people are stupid and lazy and gangbangers and on welfare. You know, all the stereotypical right wing uh, uh, what they say on Fox News about black people. Yeah. That shit's not real. There was uh, tons of middle class black people back in the day that were living next to white people and white people fled and got away from them. Yeah. Okay. Which left these areas underfunded, right? And then they look like shit and they're all fucked up. And then what happens is um, you start to develop a, I'm not worth very much. Uh, it's like a mental a mental uh, situations going on in these yeah. areas because they don't feel like they're worth much. Yeah. You know, uh, and then the police are coming there patrolling these areas, which are high crime due to crime almost being a business because there's not a lot of opportunities if you live on that side of town. Yeah. So the police are cracking down. and They say, well, this one dude on um, some uh, oh, he must have been conservative. He he responded to a comment and said, well, blacks uh, uh, commit a disproportionate amount of the crimes of, of violent crimes. And I responded, well, the, the uh, people in the inner city are. Uh, patrol disproportionately also yeah that's why if you only are in one area the whole time of course you're going to arrest number black and brown people that's what the fuck you are yeah so at the end of the day i think that when people or a cop for example if it happens to be a white cop that did not grow up on this side of town he is his guard is all the way up because he don't trust nobody over there he don't trust nobody not even that fucking eight-year-old kid he don't trust the Jacob Blakes of the world. He's going to fucking shoot you because he needs to get home to his family. Yeah. And everybody that he's around is echoing the same sentiment as him. Everyone in the, in the, in the compartment. In the just department. make it home. Oh, yeah. It, oh, just make it home. Right. Yeah. So everyone in that department is like, yeah, there was this piece of shit arguing with me earlier. I had to put him down. I had to, you know, I didn't want to do it, but I had to put him down. You know, he was acting like a criminal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I guarantee you, because I know some people that are in law enforcement that have these conversations mm -hmm. and they're a part of a world that I'm not a part of. Yeah. You know, um, what I will say is we do need the police. We do need the cops, period. You know, based on the fact that when something goes down and you're a law abiding citizen and you need the police there to, for documentation purposes, then you have that right to call them. But I will also say the problem with policing is. The, gov the U.S. government created a bigger problem based on the fact that they did not allow people of color to move out of these areas and underfunded it and then overly patrolled it with the police. Yeah. So people start to get the false perception that black is bad. Black is black is bad. Yeah. In Jacob Blake's situation, he didn't make it any better. I have to I, what I have to do is say maybe he wasn't doing nothing wrong. But the fact that he got up and went to his car, got him shot. Should he have been shot seven times? I'm not saying that. No. 
They should have tased him. They should have apprehended him before he got to his car. Maybe they let him get to his car so they could fucking kill him. And then they're saying people, people on there saying like, oh, he had a knife in his car, so he should have been shot. I know people that carry around knives every single day. Every day. This is part of their wardrobe. Yeah. Yep. So should they, should they be shot just because you're carrying around a knife? Man, what's crazy to me, too, is this. This is the problem I have with people who are not objective about politics, whether it's liberals or conservatives. We just got through with the liberal based conversation just a second ago. Mm -hmm. And now we about to talk about conservatives because the same people that demonized Jacob Blake tried to call Kyle Rittenhouse a motherfucking hero. Yeah. But guess what? He's a fucking criminal. Kyle Rittenhouse was just had a video release of him beating up a girl. So he was a pussy. He's a punk. He's a punk with a gun. He's a punk with a gun that don't know how to fight and was hitting girls and he was punching in, her all in the head, punching her all in the head. And he intentionally went down to that protest with his 17 year old ass that broke every gun law. Hello, everybody that's conservative. If you're pro two way, you're going against your own rights because you're supporting somebody who broke every gun law imaginable and killed two people. But, oh, it's cool because you hate protesters. At least you hate protests that don't represent what you like. Yeah. So, yeah, he meant, yeah, shoot him. Yeah, shoot him. You don't even agree with peaceful protests. You don't agree with a black man taking a knee on a sideline. So why would you agree with someone that's protesting? Now, even if they're rioting, that's the police's problem. It ain't yours. You're yeah, not. Why do why do all these white people think that they're law enforcement? I don't know. All I know is this. And, and, to, and to double down on Keith's uh, comment, he just said, I hate to say it, but if if we're having a conversation that. Uh, you know, that blacks are committing a disproportionate amount of the crimes. We got to have that same conversation about white conservatives who are driving down to these protests and lifted trucks with uh, Blue Lives Matter flags, flags and Confederate flags and they got AR-15s and they think they're helping the police. Yeah. Take your ass. This is my advice to both people, to conservatives and protesters and rioters. We are in the middle of a global pandemic. You could not bring any more awareness to anything than you have right now. Everybody need to go home. That's my people need to go home. Yeah. They're going to say, well, we need to protest. Protests ain't worked to this minute. I think I think what happens also with these protests is it's just it's just too many people with uh, low emotional intelligence. hundred percent. They want something to pop off. Yeah. Yeah. They want something to happen. Yeah. But Kyle Rittenhouse went down there. He had he had that energy that he you know, he, he probably was ready to, you know, shoot, shoot his gun. Yeah. And those same people and I, and we don't we only know what the video showed. We don't know what happened, transpired beforehand. Right. But, you know, the people that attacked him, they might have felt threat threatened. And, you know, just because they had a low emotional intelligence, they start swinging on him. They start trying to hit him with skateboards. And then it's, it's just uh, it's, and it clash. Somebody just got shot, too, just recently. I think yesterday uh, there was a bunch of uh, Blue Lives Matter supporters that clash with protesters. This is ridiculous. People need to fucking go home. They need to go home. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you think that you're helping by protesting, you're really not right now. And the reason why is based on the fact that in in the protest, the peaceful protesters, the message will get lost because there is a bunch of people that also within that protest that have low emotional intelligence that will take a brick and throw it through a fucking window. And, and they will take away the whole meaning of the peaceful protest. That's yeah. what happens. You get enough people around. It's going to be some fools in that. There's going to be some fools that are in that that are going to do something. Because guess what? Even out of those motherfuckers that had, all those people that had guns and AR-15s that was there. I know there was someone sensible in that group that was like, hey, I, we need to leave, man. I think we're in too deep. 
But most of them probably was there like, oh, I hope him. I wish the motherfucker would. I shoot him. I, I got. I, I know people personally that was they was ready to fight at those those events. Stupid. I'm ready to fight Antifa. I'm ready to fight, you know, any conservative. that run. It's, it's just like, like, come on, man. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Like these are the people. And, and it sucks. Like you said, it sucks for the people that genuinely want to go out there and and be peaceful peaceful protesters because there's going to be one or two of those people that have a brick that want to throw a brick through yeah. a window yeah. or there's one or two of those people even on the conservative side that want to just shoot somebody for oh, the sake of course. shoot somebody just, well, this yeah. is the problem there's toxic liberalism and toxic conservatives and the toxic conservatives in this case they're super pro two way and I'm pro two way myself I'm not conservative but I will say this y'all look stupid as fuck supporting a criminal that's a woman beater and a criminal that was looking for trouble and he's underage and he killed two people and you still supported him you're showing your true colors buddy you're showing your true colors yeah you're showing the fact that you don't care about any even if it's a peaceful pro- well they're well they're rioters they're rioters they're not protesters you never gave a fuck about a peaceful protest because you you uh, chastised killed, yeah. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. It, here's the problem with even with, the NBA. They yeah. took a game off and took a couple games off, and they was like, "Oh, well, this. Why do they have to?" Even Brian Erlacher. Yeah, ridiculous. Brett Favre uh, played a Monday Night Football game after his dad died. He threw four touchdowns, and it's like, shut up, yeah. Brian Erlacher. It's just like, come on, bro. It's ridiculous, man. It's toxic. I know people who are conservative, but they're sensible and they're actually solid people. Don't mean conservative. All conservatives is bad, but I think there's this toxic Trump support that's really fucking shit up, right? Um, now, what's really weird to me and what's really strange too is the fact that um, people really think they're helping and they think that being uh, pro police is like is needed. They doing all right, huh? I said they doing all right. The police officers are doing all right. They're doing a what? I'm, the police officers are good. They they don't they got a lot of right. money. They, yeah, they you know, don't need your help. Yeah, they don't need no. They don't need your help. Oh, but here's another one. Something that I'm not going to skate over. Kyle Rittenhouse killed two people jogging down the street with an AR-15 right by the police. Police didn't even fucking stop him. But a black man unarmed walking to his car. Just the thought of him having anything made you shoot him seven times. But a white boy that just killed two people walk by you with an AR-15 and you do nothing. There is a psychological war going on in the world. It is a psychological problem that stems from many years, many, many years of people seeing that dark skinned person is evil and that light skinned person is he's all right. He's just a troubled teen. Yeah, they even the it's just so disheartening the way that the media and we, we this is not surprising, but it's just disheartening the way that the media spoke about Kyle Rittenhouse yeah. aftermath. Oh, aspiring police officer. Oh, showing him freaking wiping graffiti off, yeah. off the wall. But what about those images of him punching that girl in the head? Yeah. But see, you got to understand, what I've noticed is conservatives will dismiss anything that, that they don't agree with. Guess what? Colin Kaepernick would be a hero right now if he if he wasn't taking a knee for black people and he was taking a knee for um, uh, uh, veterans. Let's say he was taking a knee, a knee for uh, United States veterans who fought in the war, and he's not going to stand for the flag until they're treated properly. Yeah. They would label him a hero for that because they support it. It aligns with what conservatives believe in. Yeah. But when you're taking a knee for black people, they say, fuck you. We don't care about those lazy bastards. They need to get jobs. They need all these single mother households and just the, the, the basic the typical conservative talking points. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about earlier where you got liberals combating that, fighting them. 
And it's just ridiculous. I think when I think the 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 country needs to rely on people with independent thought that could see the inadequacies on both sides. And as a black man, I just talked about how Jacob Blake did not deserve to get shot seven fucking times, but how he also went around to the car with two armed policemen. And that was not smart. Okay, I haven't heard any black person that has a platform mention that. But you have to because younger black people need to understand this. These cops are expecting the worst from you, even if you ain't doing nothing wrong. Don't give them a fucking reason. You have to think like them. Basically, hey, I'm doing I'm not doing anything wrong so I can move my hands wherever I want. No, you can't. Not when you're black. You better keep your motherfucking hands where they can see them or they're going to blow your head off and then they're going to justify it. And then you're going to have people march for you for a couple months and then another black person is going to get shot. The, the thing about that argument also is it kind of falls flat because even when people are just standing there, we seen a video, the guy got tased in the I back. Know. He got karate kicked in his back, yeah. swung to the ground. So it's just like. As much as it like that, that's going to give you a higher percentage of living. But at the same time, like niggas are still getting beat up for not doing let, anything. Let me tell you something, though. I can't even really feel bad for this generation of people. Not so, not so much feel bad. That's the wrong language. Imagine what our grandparents went through. My grandfather, who just passed the 85, what he went through, where there was no no cameras. There was nothing. Being black, if he was walking down the street, you could get stopped by the police. They could beat you up, get in the car and drive off. I've heard many of these stories. Right. And the biggest issue we have in the world is the, is that we cannot see the world or quantify it through someone else's eyes. So as a black man, when I say anything about race or protest or whatever, it is automatically invalidated because I'm black. I have to be white in order for you to even listen because being black, oh, he's biased. This is another person, black person with a platform being biased, talking about race. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear. I wish there was a program or uh, some type of computer program that could download every black person's consciousness into one program and that white people could put a helmet on and actually get our consciousness to see how the world is through someone else's eyes and they could download theirs and then we could come to a common ground like okay damn you see the world like this because of this or i see the world like this because of this yeah why do you see the world like this but the problem is too is no one's willing to sit down and have these conversations and also america is a lie also there was a dude i drove by today he had a big ass truck on the back of the truck it said three percenters on the back I don't know what that meant, but I assume it was some type of conservative um, group. But <laughs> he basically said, you know, um, fought for our freedom and Calvary and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Duh, this is just all a lie. People don't realize how much of a lie this shit is. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, is I think that there's also people or, you know, liberals or black people or whoever that really don't do enough good enough job of explaining it. Sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of times we talk like we should we assume that they should know this mm-hmm. when we all been lied to yeah the history books is a fucking lie yeah it's it's so it's it's so um the the sad part about us is that they're and i think the the greatest thing kanye west did is he didn't invent the word but this idea of free thinking right and of course he was saying a bunch of nonsense as far as like slavery is a choice and all this stuff but yeah. The, the biggest thing that I think he promoted was free thinking. 
True. And I just don't think that there's enough of that. Not at all. And I don't even think Kanye West was free thinking when he was saying a lot of those things, but he was free mental illness. <laughs> it's not funny (laughs) but yeah i just i just don't think that there are enough people that can look at you know a video look at uh an article um look at you know presidential election or whatever right and objectively say what they truly feel without being infiltrated by the years of their parents telling you whatever black people are done this or the Mexicans are done this or on the opposite side that, you know, whatever cops are always bad or whatever. You know what I mean? I just don't think that there's enough people that can look at any instance that's happened throughout our, you know, current history and say exactly what it is. Yeah. I've had great, I've had good interactions with police and I've had bad interactions with police. And you know why all those interactions ended with me going home is because I seen them for what they were. Mm-hmm. I seen that this cop was looking to get a hostile situation started and his upbringing possibly is why he was doing that. His hostility towards me that for no reason, I, I thought, okay, this guy's, this guy's pissed off for no reason. I don't know what, if he's got a bad home life or if he's racist, I'm just looking at all the different variables of what, could, what it, what it could be. I'm not automatically thinking the cop is racist. Maybe he's just a piece of shit. Maybe mm. he's a control freak, but all of these things will allow me to behave in such a way that he can't fuck with me. He can't touch me, you know? And then I had an interaction with other cops where it's like, Hey man, I'm sorry to pull you over your taillights out, man. So-and-so this and that, um, and then it'd be like, uh, can I just get your your license? And he'd just look at it, give it to me and say, hey, man, you have a good night. And I'm like, you too, man. Mm-hmm. So I don't work with the logic that all cops are bad or they racist or they want to shoot us. But I do understand and am, I am on high alert because I know that a lot of the people that put on that badge, there's an ideology behind them that's in their mind and in their heart. That is unchanged by that badge. So when you say blue lives matter, it's not a real life. It's not a real life mm-hmm. because the people that you stop in that are predominantly are in these areas where they're black and brown. Those people are black and brown people. You put on a uniform. Yeah. That's the difference. I was uh, I was on Instagram or Facebook the other day and I was looking through somebody's stories and there's this girl I went to high school with. She's uh, I think she's like Hawaiian and uh and black Hawaiian punch huh <laughs> she got that punch <laughs> go ahead but um she had a picture and it was of her parents i think they were hugging or something in their garage and there was just this huge um blue lives matter flag in there uh, and i just it just hurt my heart and i was just like yo like you first of all your kids is biracial and second of all like you're a black man in america um, like, I just wonder how he would feel if his son got, you know, was a victim of police brutality or yeah, something like I th- that. I think it's I think that what it is, Blue Lives Matter is not real. It's an agitator movement. It's an agitator. Oh, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. No, uh, Blue Lives Matter. That's what that's what Blue Lives Matter is. It's not real. It's not even original. It's not original. It's an agitation movement. Mm-hmm. Right. Cops lives matter. That's not a real. It's a job. What if I said truckers lives matter? You look at like me. You look at me like I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like truckers lives matter. What is that for? Yeah. It's a job. That's what it is. You either do it good or you do it bad. Yeah. Bottom line. 
Look, it's not even political. It's just a job. It's a job. Let me let me say this. I think that as people of color or just black people or whatever, I think we need to also understand that more things are true than that they're just shooting us. What's also true is the fact that if you understand the landscape of the world, be on high alert because that cop is on high alert. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by being on high alert, I mean, if he's hostile, if his hands constantly on his gun, he has the right to legally blow your motherfucking head off. And if you don't have a weapon, you don't got nothing. Be calm. Tell somebody to record for you. Hey, excuse me, young lady. Can you stop and start recording this interaction between me and the police? Yeah. You know, you know, I think it's 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 good to say that, but it's um, it's almost easier said than done. Because like we said before, it's so much we bringing in both people are bringing in so much trauma into all these altercations. I've done it. I'm 35 years old. It can be done. It, it's possible. I'm just saying it's easier said than done. Um, and you're speaking from your own personal perspective. Yeah. And I've There's, had a lot of bad experiences with the police. I, you're still speaking from your own personal perspective. Yeah. I'm just saying that is um, it's just like it's easy for you to say like, hey, I'm I'm starting my own business. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do podcasting full time mm-hmm. for the most part there's going to be people that have regular jobs and they're just going to keep living their right. the life that they're living now mm-hmm. what i'm saying is that's the right answer but it's also easier said than done there's going to be somebody that can listen to what we're saying and True. hear what we're saying and they'll get into that situation and they'll get pissed off exactly and then you know they'll react how they'll react True. um Different temperament. So yeah, it's, it's it's tough, but you know, like you said, you just you just gotta you gotta uh, get to that space where you can be calm in that in that storm. Yeah, because I've seen there was some. I kind of I think I, I slowed down or stopped the interaction that this young man almost had with the police. It was an A one market. It was years ago, probably at least seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And a cop was like, "Hey, hey, where, where are you go? You going in the store?" And he was like, "Man, fuck all that, man. Leave me alone, man. Whatever." I said, "Hey, hey, hey, chill. Just chill, bro. Just be calm. Just mm-hmm. be calm. If he asks you a question, just be calm, man. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, don't. Just be calm, man." He was like, "Huh?" I said, "Look, just be calm, dude. You're gonna be all right." And then the cop left him alone and drove off. I just felt the need to intervene because who knows what that shit could have turned into. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Yeah. And, and people that get fucked with all the time by the police. I had a cop one time I was in, and I have so many experiences. I was, I used to play football at Bakersfield high and I was going to uh, school in the morning. I had my Jersey on. It was on a Friday and, uh, I was a young kid, so I, my pants was kind of hanging a little bit. And a cop drove from downtown and said, hey, pull your pants up. And I said, excuse me? He said, pull them up now. Pull your pants up. He was yelling and screaming at me to pull my pants up. Mm-hmm. Right? I swear to God. And I was just like, huh? You talking to me? He said, pull them up. So I started pulling my pants up. He treated me like I was just some stupid punk kid that live in the ghetto. You got to understand how these cops look at black people. They look at you like a scumbag. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then there was another time. I remember I was driving my bike. I was driving my bike and a cop went on the opposite side of the street and stopped in the middle of the street, jumped out the car and put his hands on my bike and said, hey, 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 where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you headed right now? I was like, huh, I'm going to the park. And I'm a kid, mind Mm you. I'm 17 years old when this is happening to me. Mm -hmm. But guess what? People listening, they don't give a fuck. They're probably like, oh, man, you know, just another hard luck story, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's probably making it up or it's fake news. It's not fake news, folks. Yeah. 
The only way we can fix what happened, I think the 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 moment that someone decided that you're going to be my slave or whatever the case, the moment when we made those actions, we fucked up because it allowed people, even though there's no slavery and there's a lot of people that aren't racist and things of that nature, that consciousness is still alive. And the only way it could be fixed is if it never happened. If everyone started off not being slaves or not being abused or not being taken advantage of, if you completely, if there was a cataclysmic event that just blew everybody up, right? And, and, and mankind just ceased to exist anymore. I hope that the civilization after us gets it right because we fucked up and we came so far that I don't see a resolution to it. I, honestly, yeah, just thinking about that, I, I don't even think that's the answer. I feel like if we all got wiped away from this earth and then we all restarted, um, the only way for there ever to be any type of real equality is for everyone to be the exact same height, to look the exact same, to have the same exact skin tone, have the same exact money in their bank account. Because (sighs) however it works out, we're always going to get to a spot where somebody thinks that they're better better than than somebody else. Wow, that's deep. And that is completely the fucking truth, too. Wow. They will find something to decide who's better than who. Yeah. Whether it's height. Then you imagine if some people are six foot, some people are five foot. Yeah. And the six foot people are the ones that have the elite, the elite because they're six foot. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be a crazy movie concept. Fuck yeah. That'd be a crazy movie. We need to stop talking about that. (laughs) If you really, you know, by the time we get popping, we'll probably be in a position to do more with our ideas, but that'd be crazy. um, Cause I feel like we have like four or $5 million ideas that came through here. Oh fuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'd be having some gems. So yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this is a very, uh, very crazy podcast. A lot of deep conversations. Here. <laughs> uh, look yeah. here. You got anything else, man? Um, let me check my notes real quick. Real quick. Real oh, come quick. on. Come on, notes. <laughs> nah, that's uh yeah, I think okay. I, I do have want to have this. It's not even a topic, but more so just a quick conversation that I seen on Twitter. Okay. So it it's was a separate uh, from this. Yeah. All right. We switch gears. You don't. We don't. Yeah, we're so done with you, that one. Yeah. Go ahead. It was just like. So they were, uh, there was a question that said, it said that, uh, it said, is $28 enough to take a woman on a date? And when I read the comments, it was, it was just interesting to me to see like everybody in there. There was some, there was some women in there, like 28 is only enough for a tip. Or, you know, there was some in there that was like, uh, 28 is enough for four or five dates. And then there was people in there. It was just, it was just different, um, different conversations and different people saying different things but I, I just I thought it was just interesting to see how different hmm. people had different perspectives I think $28 is not enough based on uh, everything being sky fucking high yeah the only way you're gonna get $28 on a date is if y'all go to McDonald's and run it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get five McDoubles yeah <laughs> they got the two for five out now too so y'all could get like a couple of those get yeah. three three of those and then get some fries and apple pies and then apple pies is trash at McDonald's now Really? They trash. I, had I had one like probably about some couple months ago. Yeah. They used to be taste way better. Them motherfuckers is dry now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think uh, the first date I went on with my girl, it was like, it was only like $10, $12 total. But wow. we just got dessert. So uh, I can see. Like, like frozen yogurt or some shit? No. Um, ice cream and it's like a pazuki. 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 They're from yeah. Uh, BJ's. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I. 
I could see how it could, you know, it could be like, and even with the tip, it was still less than twenty eight dollars. All you gotta do to get a free bazooki is just lie and say it's your birthday. Yeah, that's true. They don't check your ID. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did it once just for fun, but it was actually my birthday the last time. And it's like, oh, and they sing you a little song too. Yeah. Happy birthday. And I'd be like, and then one dude said, every time I go there, I get a free bazooki. I'm like, <laughs> you're a piece of shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on another conversation though, um, what's going on with all these, these uh, social media phenomenons that had that pop up every other, other couple of years or every other couple of months? What's that? Like at first years ago, it was this little fat black kid named Terrio. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's like, ooh, kill him, ooh. Right? Yeah. It was him. And now it's this little Asian dude. I think he's from, like, Vietnam or wherever he's from. And he, all he does is sing numbers. The only words he really knows in English is numbers. He's like, 14, 17, But he's just mad soulful. Yeah, he's so mad soulful. He's like, 41, 42, 47, 45. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I have no idea where this guy came from know, or dude. what, but it's just funny. He just got he got he just got soul, you know. They remixed it too. They 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 gave him like a dope beat, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And he just skipped yeah, over to number forty. He's like, forty one, forty two, forty three, forty five. Where the fuck did these guys That's come funny. from, man? Oh, That's well. funny. Anyways, if, if check 69, the guy. 60, 60. What if he wanted to get nasty? He just kept saying 69. 69, 69, 69. I forgot this guy's name. I don't know. I forgot his name. It's like Yeet, 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 Sovin, uh, or whatever his name is. Uh-huh. You'll come across them. That's how social media works. Yeah. Yeah. That's common. That's that's just funny. Like, it ain't got no bad energy to it. Like, he just started singing his heart out. He's singing his heart. Can you imagine if I made a career as a black man singing numbers in Spanish? (laughs) Imagine that. Like, (laughs) un, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, nueve. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, Thank you for listening to Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fiends. Out of here. Peace.